This podcast is part of the Midwest Podcast Network. Find out more about our other shows and how to support our network at MidwestPodcastNetwork.com. Welcome to Gone to Texas, a podcast about AMC's Preacher. My name is Alex, and I have not read any of Ennis and Dylan's Preacher. My name is Nick, and I have read all of Ennis and Dylan's Preacher. Joining us this week, our special guest, you may know him from previous Gone to Texas episodes, our buddy Lance. Lance, how are you doing? Good, how are you? I'm doing well. You my have na- also... My neighbor, Lance. Yeah. <laughs> Not really my neighbor, but just sounds like a good Totoro <laughs> parody. Right, right, right. You've also read all of Venice and Dylan's Preacher. Yes, I have. As we know from previous uh, appearances. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I'm glad we finally got you on. Yeah, I'm like the, the Eugene of uh, of this uh, <laughs> podcast. Just shows up. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, late late in the season and then uh, just for a little bit. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. We are we are more invested in your storyline than Eugene's, I think. That's uh, true. Okay. Okay. Yes. Although yeah. it seems like they're putting him onto a good path by the end of this season. Yeah. I think we're going to... They start, righted the course, I think. We're going to start to see comic book, I think, like full comic yes. arse face soon. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I just reread some of those issues recently and mm-hmm. I'm uh, excited. How many times have you read Preacher? Preacher. Re- refresh my memory. Um, Once all the way through and then like the last arc once again. Okay. Yeah. I feel like your retention of it is much better than mine because I've <laughs> yeah. read it through probably three times, but I speed read and yeah. I also binge. And uh-huh. so I start to forget. Like I just read, reread the whole Masada arc and uh-huh. a little bit of Angelville and then a little bit of the stuff beyond like uh-huh. maybe a week ago. And I've already kind of like forgotten some yeah. of the like finer points. Yeah. But well, Wikipedia, I tell you. Wikipedia is yeah. awesome. And, yeah. and I, I tend to take screenshots on my iPad of like mm-hmm. really like important panels and really like... Uh, Parts where like the dialogue really impressed me, or like where some particular bit of art or writing. My iPad has more screenshots of Preacher than anything else, like in the, <laughs> in the photos uh, uh, category. Yeah, but it's um, yeah, it's funny like that. I think like because you and I would talk, and you would like call out some really specific time. Like, Man, fuck, how does, how does he remember that? <laughs> That's really good. Yeah, yeah. And then I have the to stuff go back that sticks and, out is, yeah. is always yeah. I'm really glad though I reread the Masada stuff just before re- recording this episode oh, because cool. I wanted to kind of align my expectations for season four now that i know what they tend to take from the books and what they don't Mm -hmm. i kind of like reading it and trying it's kind of like a weird like betting game almost try to figure out like what they are going to work into it but they dropped like it at the end of season one and at the end of season two they uh dropped certain things that we thought we would see from the books like leading up to angelville that was the you know we knew that we'd have jody and tc and grandma and they they dropped a lot of stuff at the end of season three though i think like leading up to masada like mm-hmm. they they clued in they threw a, a whole bunch of stuff out there right in the last few minutes and I was like, oh my god yeah yeah, yeah. so i'm really a lot, of, a lot of what is it breadcrumbs teasers yes whatever yes, you want to call definitely it. yeah that uh, they for for comic fans mm-hmm. and just to keep interest yeah i think they had to reveal certain things mm-hmm. uh to kind of make also non-readers go like oh wow what's right. that about what they got to be curious about it yep yeah, yeah. I think they did a good job kind of baiting the uh, both the the readers and the non-readers. Um, so it's exciting. Well, today, if you have not guests, we will be discussing the entirety of season three of the AMC series. While we will not be spoiling any of the comic and by extension, any future plot lines of the show, we will be discussing the details of the series through season three, episode 10. So pause this and go catch up before you listen to the rest of the episode. You can find more episodes of our podcast at g2tpodcast.com. We're also g2tpodcast on Twitter, and you can send feedback to g2tpodcast at gmail.com. That's the letter G, number two, letter T, podcast. P-O-D-C-A-S-T. 
If you enjoy this show or any other show on the Midwest Podcast Network, please consider heading over to patreon.com slash midwestpodnet. That's M-I-D-W-E-S-T-P-O-D-N-E-T. And pledge as little as a dollar a month to make our network even better. Special thanks to Jason K and Gojo who have pledged at the level of ten plus dollars per month. Thank you very much, guys. Got those Gojo bucks. Yes. Uh Nick and I are getting over colds. Uh Lance will be getting over one in a couple days, I'm sure. <laughs> yes. Uh, after today. So pardon all of the uh adolescent voice cracks that you get out of me and the coughs and the snorts and whatever makes it through onto the podcast. But uh yeah. It's that beautiful time of year in Michigan where the seasons are transitioning and kids are back to school the germs are everywhere yeah it's true yeah so uh yeah so i kind of have a bunch of feedback stuff that we can talk about and 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 that'll kind of lead us into discussion about season three and where it's been and, and what our listeners thought of the season and then also i might hit up some more general questions later on and we can talk a little bit about what you guys might be excited for in season four and mm-hmm. and what might be coming but uh yeah so i did want to mention real quick we did get a uh, we did get a nice tweet from our friend David Steele. He uh, tweeted at us just this morning, and he said, "My name is David, and I'm about to read all of Ennis and Dylan's preacher." And he awesome. has a picture of of nine trades of preacher that he sent to us. That so. is so impressive. God, look at those covers. Yeah, yeah. The preacher covers are always so fun mm-hmm. to look at. Mm-hmm. Like if if I had been a little bit older. When Preacher was actually out, like coming out monthly, I'm sure I would have bought it because I was a sucker for like cool. When I was young, I was like a good cover would like mm-hmm. totally snare me. And oh, I would yeah. be like, yeah, whatever. Like I still have, I mean, books I've read, but I have like random issues that I wanted to buy because like the covers are so cool. And like I wanted to like have keep those like floppies that I just thought were really impressive. Like when I was a kid, I, I had like an entire short box of comics that all had Nightcrawler on the cover didn't matter what series it was didn't matter <laughs> if i had read anything like i was such a nightcrawler fan um from the x-men when i was a kid that i was like i just have to buy it and read it and in that was the beauty of like a good issue of a book like if you hadn't read the previous issues and you could still like get something cool out of the story uh it was it was totally worth it and i feel like they used to be that way a little bit more because now they have so many tie-ins and so many events and all the especially the big two in dc and marvel and marvel's by by and far the most guilty of this that you could pick up an issue and you used to see like a little box, like a character would reference something and you'd see a little box. It would say like astonishing at, as, as seen in like yeah, yeah. Avengers and, and little editor's notes. And those were kind of fun because you'd be like, oh, that's cool. But the writing was good enough. You could pick up using contextual clues like what it meant. But now it's like they can't even have those little boxes because it would take up an entire panel. Like yeah. You would just have two more. It's just a you glossary to, at the yeah, back of the Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, it was funny because a good uh, a cover with Nightcrawler, I was like, I'm buying it. Cover, comic book covers have, have always been weird to me. Like, I didn't realize until, you know, within the past decade or so, because I didn't read a lot of comics growing up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't realize that the cover artist was usually different from the series artist. Yeah. Usually, yeah. And And a lot of the times you see these covers that have this, like, weird representation of maybe what you might think could happen in the issue or like what should follow from the issue that you previously read but it's not necessarily indicative of what's actually in the in the issue i'm thinking of one particular preacher cover that's just like that yeah Yeah. so it's kind of like this weird like tease to get you to buy in but Mm -hmm. then like they don't necessarily deliver on it no 100 of the time Yeah, yeah yeah So it's it's very strange, but uh, yeah, I liked in season one when they had uh, I think they had did they have 
Was Steve Dillon or was it Glenn? No, Glenn Fabry, I think, yeah, right? They, was, had, they had an artist do... Like preacher yeah. covers for every episode of yep. season one. So yep. that was really cool. I, I miss that. I don't think they're doing that with season uh, three. Not so much. But yeah, uh, so David Steele, we're glad that you can uh, join this smug comic book reader uh, side of things for the, the Gone to Texas <laughs> podcast. And uh, yeah, feel free to, to write in and let us know what you think. Nick Nick can uh, Nick can chime in and let you know. Uh, I really wonder how quickly he'll read it all. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't know. So let us know how your journey goes. Uh, so we did have a bunch of different comments on Discord. Our buddy Joseph wrote in. Most of these are in response to um, our last recap episode. But Joseph said, to Nick's point about Jody and the Saint, I am personally glad that the show has humanized them a little bit, and I think it makes them more interesting characters. Nick is fired off about the comic versions, which sound more like forces of nature, but I'm not sure that would play well on TV. And I definitely saw Jody as, a, as sociopathic and evil. In the same ep- episode where he was sending emojis, he murdered two guys with a hammer and sat in their blood doing puzzles. That's true. It's a good point, you know, yeah. and and it's good to see because Joseph is not a comic book reader. Okay. So to have his input as someone who is not hosting a podcast about the show, but also has not read the the comics, I think uh, good good to know that. I think the broad strokes of Jody probably got through to the audience. Yeah, I would agree. Yes. Um, but yeah, so I, I skipped over a little bit. Lance, yes. what did you think about season three? Like, what, what are your general thoughts about how the season went? I liked it a lot. A lot of high points. And um, they did stuff, which I enjoyed, that was very comic book-esque. Like, like, to keep it... Like, what I didn't like about season two, I think, was that they tried to ground it in reality a lot more mm. than season three. And there's one moment in season three that I was like, I love that they did this. Even though it's kind of goofy, I love that they did it. So, like, remember when um, uh, Jesse chopped up Cassidy and put him in a mailbox? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, thank you for doing that. Because, like, it needs to be wacky, zany kind of <laughs> stuff going on. Like, don't yeah. don't give me reality. Don't don't Batman Begins this kind of thing, okay? Like, hey, hey. Keep it... <laughs> <laughs> keep it keep it weird keep it so strange and odd because there's a guy he's looking for god like he's not i mean like yes he is actually looking for god but at the same time it's like it's such a you know unique and crazy story that i think you should keep that level of the pilot started with people exploding from <laughs> a an alien body flying into them you know you like yeah yeah. yeah right keep that going like, yeah keep that thread don't 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 let it go down and like there's a season two part that i really just didn't like was remember when he was trying to find the um serial numbers on the gun yeah and like the guys behind the counter were like totally with him they're like yeah we'll help you find it like you know and like not kind of acknowledging how how weird all this is yeah you know, like like and then he remember when he screamed like i'm looking for god have you seen him like to a person not on jesse's journey that should sound weird but yeah. it didn't to those guys yeah you know so so i'm glad that in season three they kind of upped they upped everything you know if, if i had to just summarize what i feel about the season they upped everything yeah upped the intensity they upped the action there was quite a bit of action they upped uh, a lot of the a lot of the characters and things that they would do like like i loved also the one part where you know like the hell bus and like all the crazy stuff that was going that whole sequence i like i really liked it just um just how 
goofy and weird and and yeah yeah we were a little disappointed that it wasn't a little more uh they they kind of abstracted a lot of the stuff with the Hellbus at, mm-hmm. at least in the end there just to yeah. kind of shoot around uh-huh. i think some of the some of the action and whatnot yeah. for a show that you know mm-hmm did so well with a lot of the action in season seasons one and two and yeah, parts of three as quite well good action in, in season two for sure and, it, it and just kind of sucked that towards the end there when things were getting really, yeah. really wacky and uh-huh. crazy they, yeah. they kind of shied away from it a little bit yeah probably That's, from like a budget standpoint but. sure sure yeah i need you guys though i need you guys i, I need the gone to texas podcast because <laughs> um every time i think that something's cool i, I listen to you guys about <laughs> to say it and i'm just like oh let me let me take it back a little bit like because like I told Nick this like how like I like I automatically think that like just because it's weird and different I'm like oh I loved it you know but if but if I really thought about it then like and I kind of compared it to the books or if I kind of thought about what it represented then and what you guys think about it's uh it's it brings it back into perspective well so so we make you like the thing you thought was cool less (laughs) probably probably because like I don't know I think why is uh, that good (laughs) I don't know no because like I need to be like you have to be not so satisfied with everything I think Mm -hmm. like like for me I think maybe just just because I watched the show and I liked it I feel satisfied but you know, I have to be a better critic than that. Be more discerning than that. Well, and that's the thing is, is that I, I feel as though uh, having context to it, mm-hmm. like d- you can you can still feel satisfied with that yeah. sequence, but yeah. to kind of have the context of like, oh, it didn't work for some people because yeah. it wasn't quite there, uh-huh. but it still worked for you. You know, yeah. that's not a, a bad thing. <laughs> it just kind of allows you to. That's interesting. Inform yeah. your own. It, it can it can make you realize, oh, it worked for me in spite of the fact that. Mm-hmm the action wasn't blatantly on the screen, you know? Yeah, yeah. And and so you can kind of tune into what worked for you better, I yeah. think, you know? Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, I always try to find the good stuff in 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 whatever media I watch. And if you look at my Letterboxd account, I don't rate anything like less than three stars. And I don't know why. <laughs> and so like three stars is liked it, four stars is really liked it, and then like five stars is, is really mm, is loved it. Five star scale. You know, so like I'm always on the three star thing. Even though it wasn't a good movie, I'm just like, I liked it. There was parts of it I liked. But like, you know, I think I think it's better if you don't like put everything on one side of the spectrum and you only have a more wider range, you know. I'll give you another example of when I listen to you guys where the, because um, I'm a fan, um, <laughs> uh, the one episode where the, the opener where, um, where, 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 this is a wrap up, so everybody's watched. Yeah, no, okay. spoilers, spoilers when, for yeah, the season. Yeah, when um, when the Allfather got killed, that whole opener, because it was so fast and it was so quick and, and like the fight was so it was so goofy. Oh, it was very like Guy Ritchie. Yeah, yeah it was. Just, yeah, and blitzed through it. Yeah, and it was so quick. And then like the All Father exploded. Then I was just like, my mouth was open at the end. And I was like, ah, oh, that was cool, <laughs> you know. But then I watched you guys. I listened to you guys when you watched it, and you were like, you're like, oh, the effects were kind of cheesy. <laughs> like, that was you, Alex. And then like yeah. Nick was like, yeah. And then like, why would he do that? And then I was just like, yeah, why would he do that? So like, you know, so that's Man. that's you know, so being critical. I thank you guys for that. So. And well, and thank you. That's very nice yeah. of you to say. And, and it's not we. It is never our mission to make somebody like like anything less. But yeah. you know, I think yeah. I think hearing different people's perspectives on thing is always yeah. good and helps you figure out your own. Sure, sure. Yeah, definitely. Maybe just looking at it, simplifying it to say I like it less. Maybe not. But like just like looking at it from a different perspective, yeah. another angle. You know, and like. Yeah, budgetary reasons could have been that, or just like trying to wrap things up really quick could have 
could have been the reason why they did that. And that's why I like you guys question that. So thank you. I still think that I could have forgiven a lot of stuff regarding the all father and like how they chose to expedite certain things that if he had just been a little more like his comic counterpart, Mm -hmm. but now that I know, and this is jumping ahead, but now that I know that they're kind of going full Masada in some ways, I really am like, why, why, why do that? Yeah. 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 Or at least, I mean, he could have totally been in this season. That would have been totally, that would have been fine. I was excited when I saw him in all the promo stuff. How would you feel if there was a, an all father clone (laughs) that (laughs) is in Masada? Uh, I would not like that. Cause then we're going too far with the, Oh, we can clone stuff up. The the cloning thing. Plus, I don't think he would clone himself. I think that's one thing that's cool about the All Father is like he is he is a genuine believer. Mm. Like he's crazy and he's incredibly wicked and uh, intelligent, but he's he's a believer. Like he believes in that. Like that's that's his mission. And I don't think he would be like, no, it would be sacrilege to clone myself, but it's okay to clone the descendant of Jesus. Apparently, <laughs> in order in order to find a way to help have him accept or have Genesis accept him. Correct. Yeah, I yeah. guess they only cloned them to to Testing. trial run that because yeah. the ultimately the original one was going to be the one that received the yeah, the, tap the infinity one. formula. Yeah, tap dancing <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Which, by the way, I did not put together. <laughs> no, I, 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 didn't I saw either. something on Reddit about that, and yeah. I was like, well, aren't I an idiot <laughs> because somebody pointed out that he was he was people a lot of people will say like holy tap dancing jesus as like a phrase or jesus tap dancing christ uh, that's it yeah, yeah i'm sorry jesus tap dancing christ uh, and then the, that is the one skill that humperdue has is tap dancing <laughs> and i was like wow it's good what a, all i could think of what was a from dun- young we're all wearing our dunce caps right now <laughs> Do you remember in Young Frankenstein when they had him tap dance? Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, that's yep. that's what I thought about. Yeah, but no, th- there is a phrase, hey. Um, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, Jesus tap dancing Christ is a Jesus H Christ is the one I always hear, yeah. and I always like think that that's hilarious because I don't know <laughs> where that came from or or what the H is supposed to signify, but it's really funny. No, well, I don't know. On our Discord, Joseph also went on to say, uh, "One nice touch during the Jody uh, Jesse Jody fight, I wondered why TC was using the numberer." And then it turned out it was because he didn't expect to leave the tombs alive. In general, the, the number is like that. Hilarious at first, but the more you think about TC inventing something uh, so he can stop feeling things, the more sad it is. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I told him, I was like, well, he also did shoot his foot off with a shotgun. Yeah. But I like Joseph's explanation Yeah, that's more. a good read. It's, 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 it, it, it's sadder, but also, I don't know, it's just interesting. Yeah, you got to think about his whole life. It just, you know, and remember when he did that role playing with grandma? Yep. He's just, yeah, he's just numb to everything. Yeah. Well, he knew, he knew grandma was going to, mm-hmm. going to die. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, Poor TC. And it's cool that even through all the number, he still like had this moment of like clarity where he was like, there's, there's nothing out there for, for me. Yeah. Yeah. I'm it, good here going up. It's, in a, it's still in a got through. Um, Speaking of TC, Bruce said, I felt bad for TC. That shouldn't be, but the show is just that good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's uh, that's pretty good. Uh, he also liked Cassidy's Nixon campaign shirt that he was wearing. That was awesome. Yeah, yeah. that's very good. I forgot good. to mention that. Um, but he said, I agree. This is something that Nick brought up, I think. He said, I agree that the season needed a few more flashbacks, especially with Jody. It needed to do the flashback to John Custer's death a hell of a lot sooner as well. Another thing is that the fuck communism lighter doesn't resonate anywhere near as well as it should, as we know, uh, as nothing we know about John Custer really gives that lighter any meaning. Mm-hmm. What they did with him in season one works fine with that season in a vacuum, but it didn't quite mesh with the stuff that they did here. 
So I, I do you guys agree? I mean, Lance, what 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 are your thoughts on did you yeah. did you like seeing the lighter? Yeah, I did, but it's only for comic book people. Yeah, yeah, it's it's like fan it's it's fan service at this yeah. point, which is such a bummer. Like he's yeah. right, it sh- it should mean so much more. Well, and the fact that they went far enough to include John Wayne in this season, they did. Like you would think they would start to tie those pieces together a little bit or something, but mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe. Uh, Maybe the guy that played John wasn't available this season or something like that. Mm-hmm. Because he's gone, I hope. <laughs> we'll see. Um, you know what's stra- Can I say for one thing? Yeah. Is, you know what's strange? Have you read Why the Last Man? You, you yes. have Why the Last Man, don't I you? Have it, I, yeah. I've read through, I think, the first trade. but yeah. They have the fuck communism lighter in that book, too. And actually, uh-huh. it has... It feels right in that book. Um they just it's it's a thing that appears and it's like a nod to the preacher comics but like i don't know he uses the lighter in some situations i don't know but yeah it it, it really has no place in the in the other than a thing that i think jody said he's like i'm glad i got this back or something like that didn't jody say jo- jody at the end was like i'm glad uh, uh or i was looking for this that's and that's was, when yeah. we get the flashback to john mm-hmm. uh to john getting shot but yeah. like the I remember what happened, and this is a little inside baseball for podcast listeners, is that in the episode where we first see that lighter and Jesse notices it, mm-hmm. I asked Nick, I was like, does that lighter mean something? And mm-hmm. Nick was like, yes. And I ended up cutting that section out of the mm-hmm. podcast because I didn't want to like, I noted that Jesse looked at it funny, mm-hmm. but I, I cut out the rest of it. Mm-hmm. But it was like, from the filmmaking, I can tell this should mean something. Right. The way they did it. Yeah. But taking the show in on the whole they mm-hmm. didn't do enough to make it matter to people who didn't read the comics which is sad yep and they still haven't and it's still sad yeah because that so that was one one issue i mean when i when i finished reading the angelville stuff uh it's it's a big deal when jesse gets that lighter back and by that point in the series i think they already explained that it belonged to his dad yeah and jody's like i took it off your dad the day he died um but like later, I mean, the, the more I guess it is a little later in the book that they kind of get into a little more about John Custer and what that lighter means, both what it meant to John Custer, because John's an awesome character on his own. Like he's not in the book that much, but he's just that well done that he takes on a lot of meaning, especially through the context of another character who is related to John Custer, not like by blood there's uh, some there was another character from john custer's past who uh comes into the book and through that story you get to learn a lot more about john custer and then in turn you learn more about jesse also and i feel like the show has already sort of missed the boat in terms of being able to do that i guess not a hundred percent but they're gonna have to do some serious course correction and i think that the 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 first step it would be recasting John Custer and and kind of <laughs> kind of retooling their approach to him. And at this point, I feel like they already did what they did, and I don't know why. I don't know if they're like we don't care about doing the John Custer stuff, but that really bums me out because it's some of the. I mean, they're all kind of they call it a bottle episode, right? Of like a TV show where it only it kind of stands on its own. Yeah, isn't that what that's called? Yep. It, they're kind of like that. Would you agree? Those issues about John, like they do yeah. have they do have broader implications across jesse's character in particular but not so much the story mm-hmm. 
But the issues that are that kind of revolve around John Custer are kind of like bottle episodes, if you will. But they are so good. Yeah. They're some yeah. of my favorite issues. And yeah. some of my favorite issues across Preacher are those ones that are kind of in between the big adventures. They're some of the best ones because the characters really like deepen. Yeah, I know and what you're talking about. Yeah. That's been one thing uh, uh, so far about the series. I have enjoyed how they've been kind of tackling these big arcs. Like you got Kin Cannon in season one. Yeah. You've got, I don't know what you had in season two. And, and <laughs> you all look grail a little bit and a little bit of Saint. Um, and I guess you had uh, some of the vampire stuff. But season three, you, you had you had kind of more of the Grail. You had Angelville being the dominant one. And you still had a little bit of uh, 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 les, les Incompetents. And, <laughs> but we're, we're still not getting any of those in-between episodes, which is kind of a shame. I would almost really prefer if they moved to a model of like... Like if they were going to go back to like 13 episodes... I would almost be, as much as I loved the 10 episodes, I'd be down for it if it was like six episodes of this, like a middle episode, and then six more of something else. Yeah. And this will kind of tie into when you get to Mark's email, because he kind of mentions a few things that I think would lend itself to that kind of structure. But honestly, if they did a whole season of Preacher that was just like those kind of bottle episodes, I would, I would shit. Yeah. Because it'd be so sweet. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I can, we, can, we can talk about Mark's email right now if we would like. Yeah. So we go for sure. it. Okay. Mark, uh, our friend Mark wrote in. Our friend um, Mark. Yes. My neighbor Mark. <laughs> uh, he's followed us through a few different... I think he listened to all three of our TV podcasts this year, The Alienist, uh, Westworld, and Pre- uh, Preacher. I, I still can't believe The Alienist is coming back. <laughs> I, would right? have never, I would have never thought that. You know, when somebody said it's critically acclaimed, and I was like, by who? And I was like, <laughs> which critics? Yeah. Well, that was the thing, is I think it did get... Uh, Emmy nominations or something yeah. like that. Yeah, and it was a weird ploy of like we're gonna say it's a limited series so we can bill that for the Emmys, and then they were like, oh hey, guess what? Season two, <laughs> like this yeah. kind of weird, mm-hmm. yeah, surprise sequel limited series, so they could like pivot the. It's exciting, yeah, for sure. But that yeah. means I have to read that again, <laughs> and it's a big book. Well, you should have some time at this point. I yeah, think, and it's but. actually exciting because I know Katrine picked it up and was reading it while yep. we were talking about season one and so i'll we'll be able to kind of chat about that which would be awesome yeah uh but mark's email he said hi alex and nick uh he didn't know you would be joining us no late, problem so i apologize it's okay uh i wanted to email in and give my thoughts uh, thoughts on season three of preacher give my oh. sauce <laughs> <laughs> Some hot sauce. Overall, along with some general comparisons of the show to the books. I've avoided any plot spoilers for the books, although I mentioned a few characters from the books that have not made an appearance on the show. First off, you guys did another great job recapping and discussing the show. For the first season of Preacher, I listened to the official podcast that was put out by the people associated with the show. But when that was not continued for season two, I searched around and found your podcast. In retrospect, I'm glad that the other podcast was discontinued. That's very nice, Mark. Yeah, thank you. Mike. I'm sad that it didn't continue because I really enjoy the Better Call Saul and Breaking Bad one. But uh, I miss the Preacher Insider podcast. That's that's the one that he's speaking. Oh, of. is he? Okay, yeah. okay. I thought he meant like a fan. No, no, no. The, the okay. yeah, he's speaking of the Preacher Insider. I, I liked podcast. it a lot. Yeah. So I, I'm bummed that uh, that they they ended it, but I'm glad that it allowed you to find us. So that's good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Obviously, Mark, Mark goes on to say, "I thought Preacher season three was very good. Certainly the best." of the series so far i don't think that there was much of anything that made me unhappy the hitler stuff didn't bother me anywhere as much as it did you guys but i understand your problems with it the amount of time that was spent on the storyline in season two really slowed the show the show down the whole show down in my opinion in contrast the relatively short amount of time 
that was spent on it in season three worked a lot better for me and that said if the show come back for, comes back for a season four i won't shed any tears if they choose to let that storyline disappear i think we all mostly agree with that uh, yeah lance did you have any like broad strokes on on hell and that stuff did it work for you did it not work was i, I mean we talked about the bus but yeah i liked satan i thought satan was cool and um Especially the last confrontation with Satan was cool. Yeah, where it was very comic book esque. Not that it was just not. I'm not looking for to say like it's good because it matched the comics. Yeah, I'm just saying it's good because it was good. Yeah. So like when I saw Satan, be like, "What do you? Who do you think you're talking to?" Kind of thing. You know, that that was good for me. And Satan that was, was just cool. kind of yeah, yeah. I liked that. Yeah, Satan was cool. Uh, Sydney, uh, that's her name, right? Sydney. Yeah, yeah. The Angel of Death. Yeah, she sure. was cool. She was, you know, she was a little bit, a uh, little bit dominatrix like. Uh, yep. You know, a little yeah. A uh, little bit going on there. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, and then like the Hell's Office, Satan's office was was all right um properly gaudy and it was so tacky yeah yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah i'm glad it wasn't like just like like a corporate office yeah right you know (laughs) with the zagnut um machine i'm glad that like okay stop stop joking around here okay like this is hell right yeah um so yeah um yeah i was i was i was satisfied with the uh, hell stuff i thought it was good okay good that's good um and then mark also goes on to say as for the three main characters i was okay with their stories throughout the season i was worried that when cassidy left tulip and jesse that they'd go in a direction where he wallowed in self-pity for several episodes and spent his days in a drug-induced fog but the quick introduction of Acarius and les enfants du sang moved his story uh in a good and often very funny direction I would have liked to have seen more of Jesse and Tulip working together as Dominic Cooper and Ruth Nega have excellent chem- uh, chemistry with each other. And then in parentheses, he says, come on, you two, please reconcile in real life and guys, get back together. Guys, just <laughs> just sit down. <laughs> uh, and then he says, I hope that next season keeps them as a pair rather than breaking them off into separate storylines. With this in mind, I hope that the Masada arc in the show doesn't match exactly with the one in the book. And I'll leave it at that to avoid any spoilers. Agreed. Well, yeah, agreed. Yeah. Uh, he says, I've been reading the book since about the middle of this season, and I've finished roughly 36 issues. It took me a while to sh- mentally shift gears and to not keep thinking of the TV version while reading them. It's still hard to not keep comparing the two, and since I came into the books after watching the show, I have the opposite problem of those who have read the books. Dominic Cooper, Ruth Nega, and Joe Gilgan are always going to come to mind first for these characters rather than their counterparts in the books. I definitely prefer Ruth Nega's version of Tulip compared to Book Tulip. And I think Nick is right in describing Joe Gilgan's Cassidy as being a better person in general than the book version, which makes me prefer TV Cassidy. And as for Jesse, I like both versions about the same, although there are uh, definite uh, differences between the two. Regarding some of the other characters, as good as Hairstar is in the book, Pip Torn's portrayal of him on the show is exceptional. He was truly born to play this character. Yeah, it's so funny to think that someone would be born to play a character on a preacher, but <laughs> it's it's true. Like he's he's incredible. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I mean the the little bits of hair star that I've seen from panels that you've shown me, and and just like the art on the internet and things like that. I'm like, God, oh, the they could not get yeah. a perfect, a more perfect resemblance of hair star. It is. It's it's unbelievable. So. Uh, and then he's got a little bit more here. He says, as for the specific storylines, the Angelville story portrayed in the books had more impact for me than the TV version overall, both emotionally and visually. 
but I think that may be due to the book being a better format to portray the supernatural aspects of Angelville and the associated characters. Case in point was the way that Madame Langelle met her end. With a, uh, without a bigger budget, I don't think the show could have ever effectively pulled off the exact way in which she was killed in the book. Do you guys agree with that? <coughs> yeah, but I S- somewhat sort of. You know the way the way he did it in the I kind of have issues with the way he did it in the show, um, but uh, in the book, yeah, I mean, there's partially because the soul machine is still so like undefined, mm-hmm. it, like the. And that's that's okay. It's okay to have things like that, especially in like a comic show that like things that don't necessarily have explanations to how they function. But yeah, I don't know. It was it was all right. I guess the the sort of symmetry of killing grandma with that after she had subjected so many people to giving her a taste of her own medicine. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. I I get it. But her her death in the book is really great. Yeah, it's just. It's big and spectacular the and whole, explosive, yes. kind of literally. That's so what's, yeah, that's what I was about to say that, <laughs> for sure, and, and why they couldn't do it in the show. But I like, think you could. I yeah. think they could have. Um, with the, you know, with with the way that, so the, he describes he likes the Angelville arc a lot better in the book than the, than the show. Because, like, by the time you get to the end of the Angelville arc in the book, it's like everybody deserved what they got. Yeah. You know, and... Um, and in the TV show, it's a little more complicated. So, but but you just have this really good feeling at the end of that arc because like everything's just going going how it should. Like like yes, he did that. Yes, that's ha- that happened. Yeah, he, he got that coming to him. That's that's what happens in the book. Interesting. Yeah. It's yeah. also it's all the book also has a good has a lot of backstory in it, but it's all really compelling. Yeah. Like I've talked about this before too. It's there's a lot of there's an entire issue that's pretty much flashback of Jesse like narrating to Tulip flashbacks but it's so compelling that you don't you're not like oh this is lazy like you're, yeah. you're really into it because you've been you've been really interested in this whole mystery too like who are these people and mm-hmm. especially the way they show up like the way jody explodes kind of on screen so to speak even in the comic is like it's ridiculous mm-hmm. and it's so sweet and it's so simple and totally doable and as soon as you meet him you're just like oh wow who is this guy yeah. and the best part is i think the angelville are I think that story starts in issue like seven, maybe I'm still a little unclear. It's like issue seven or eight. And by that point, Jesse is already like well-established to you as like one of the most badass characters. But when his reaction, when he sees Jody and he tells Tulip, he's like, shut up. Don't say anything to him. Don't look him in the eye. (laughs) Don't do anything because this is the most dangerous person I know. You're like, Oh, oh shit! Oh, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you get a little bit of that in the show. It's not like you don't you don't seem as a force to be reckoned with. But I'm kind of going to disagree a little bit with. I think it was Bruce who said that, or no, Joseph, who was like, he didn't think the force of nature thing would work as well on TV. I think it absolutely would. And it's okay that it, I'm really I'm really fine and and happy with where Jody wound up. He's a great character because I did reread the Angelville arc, and his final fight with Jesse is actually hilariously spot on in the show that the gala or the the tombs doesn't exist in the book but like the the wood panel with nails in his face and the way he's like that's different exactly from the book and i had forgotten that detail and even the way he says proud of you boy and then he dies exactly the same and i i forgot that detail too and lance nods like yeah dummy you didn't know that (laughs) no no that's my like my favorite line Yeah. yeah it's great yeah and uh so all that's done really well. Like the final confrontation is good, but Jody, Jesse hates Jody so much more in the book than in the show. Like he hates him in the show, 
but he's never like you, you never really like see it like simmering behind his eyes like in the show the way you do in the book where he's like I'm going to kill this guy mm-hmm. and I'm going to just wipe him off the earth and it's going to be so satisfying. And Jesse's not like necessarily super into like murder in the book, but like Jody, he wants to murder with his own bare hands. And like you get why by the end of the Angelville arc, like Lance said, mm-hmm. he's got that shit coming to him, but it's good. The only character that I think needs to turn into more of a force of nature for sure is the saint. Like the yeah. saint of killers needs to be like, yeah. you need to hear his, get a little glimpse. you need to hear his spurs coming and be like, Oh, and like sit forward on the couch and be like, tell everyone around you to shut up. Cause it's going down. Yeah. And he's still not quite there. Like he's kind of yeah. been there. He's got, he's, he's closer now that he shot Satan in the face. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That's all. That's a good start. Yes, I yes. think all the pieces for that are there. And Absolutely. I, and I, and I like the kind of, um, I like now that I feel like he has a moral compass, at least with like getting Eugene out of hell. I really like that aspect of him, but I did miss in season one and two feeling like when the saint showed up, that shit was about to be fucked. Mm-hmm. Like when the saint goes marching in. Yeah, exactly. Like he, like him without his weapons was was okay, but I'm excited to see him just tear shit up again. Which uh, is kinda... the mas- so Masada era saint is probably the best if not some of the best because this is this is where he this is the point in the book where he starts to turn into a little bit more of a character finally and less of a force of nature and i know this is running completely contrary to what i just said (laughs) but it it works because it's very minimal but it's the first time that he and jesse have like an actual conversation yeah and when those two meet it is so awesome when they when they're face to face and just looking at each other and they have they have this kind of powwow very briefly and during the masada arc in the book and it's so awesome it's just so cool to see them face to face and how they talk to each other and what they say to each other and how they deal with each other is just it's just relentlessly fascinating and where their their sort of relationship goes is so cool and i just can't wait to see how that play out because i think that we're driving towards that I I asked you about it a little bit, I believe, in the last episode, and and that's when <laughs> that's when Bruce chimed in, because you said something like you're asking the right questions to me, yeah, and then <laughs> and then Bruce said, Nick, this isn't true, detective, <laughs> <laughs> but it's uh, truest detective, truer de- <laughs> detective. No, I I yeah. I like I as I you know. I think I said in the in the last episode the fact that there's now this the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Yep. situation yep. brewing with the saints and jesse and god i think it's is, especially uh, awesome because cool. so masada is geographically i think it's supposed to be somewhere in like the south of france i might right. be mistaken it's yeah. somewhere in yeah, there okay yeah and we're kind of going to get back to that idea that the saint is like just on foot following them and it's hilarious because there's a point where like one of they do it so brilliantly we're basically like so hypothetically and i i don't know if i'm 100 correct but say that the masada arc in the book is six issues pretty standard you spend like the first maybe four or so building up towards the inevitable conclusion and i don't think any of this is a spoiler this is just how stories are supposed yeah. to work or generally work and you'll you'll see the saint at, like at the beginning like he's in he's in like texas still and like i said jesse and whoever they can jump on a plane they can fly wherever they can be across the world in hours right but the saint can't because he can't buy a plane ticket because he's <laughs> the saint of killers so you see him like look on the horizon and then you just like well like holster his gun and just start walking and we got some of that in season two at the very beginning which was awesome like that shot of him on the bridge like yep. literally walking across the suspension bridge it's hilarious because that's what he does in the book and there's a part in uh one of the masada issues and 
I don't think this is a spoiler for the show because I doubt they'll do it. It's not really the book because it's like two pages. But you, one of the issues starts and you see this like boat on the seas, like a, like a kind of like a um, what's that show called? Deadliest Catch kind of boat. Okay, yeah. Across like a, and there's like a storm and you see this boat on the sea and you're like, well, what's this have to do with anything? And then you see like a bunch of the crew are on the back of it. They're like dead. And then you see a, you cut inside the boat and you see a bunch of them strewn everywhere. And you like see all these panels of these dead guys. You're like, what is this? And then the next page is a full panel of the saint just standing on the bow of the boat <laughs> in the middle of like a thunderstorm by himself. And it says like the title of the issue. And he's just standing there like, to, you know, arms at his sides. Like he looks like a cigar store Indian just standing there, <laughs> just taking this boat towards Europe. And he's, you know, he's just going to cross the Atlantic in that thing. And he's going to make it through whatever storm the ocean could throw at him. And it's going to literally like come aground at like Spain or whatever. And he's going to get out and keep walking. And it's he's going like, to fucking Jack Sparrow it onto exa- a dock. Exactly. <laughs> as the boat sinks. Exactly. And, the, and, and people are going to be staring at like onlookers. <laughs> just going to walk past him. And it's so funny. Like it's, it's this amazing combination of badass and hilarious. And, and, the way they set up that character in the book, like that's all you need is those two pages, and you're like so satisfied. He's on like, his way. Like that is so awesome. Yeah, and that's what I need more of out of the show. Beautiful. I don't think it's a huge ask. No, we'll see. We'll see how they choose to do it here. We will for sure. But, but well, now that he's got Eugene with him, though, maybe Eugene will buy him a plane ticket. That's <laughs> well, <yeah>, true. <laughs> he'll be the. He'll talk his way into it. Yeah. The agent. I also want to see more of like people throwing up when they see Eugene because that happens a lot in the books. Yeah. He like starts <laughs> talking, and everyone just literally barfs. You see like characters <laughs> barfing through their fingers as they try to cover their mouth because he's so repulsive yep he's really not that bad in the show like he's no. gross in the show but mm-hmm. in the book he's so much more nasty looking yeah uh go back up to where we were so uh mark goes on to say moving on to the all father segments of the show i agree with nick's comments about his portrayal in the book being better than on the show he was much more sinister in the book and in the show he was ironically more cartoonish than in the comic I also really like the complete backstory of the Saint of Killers that is depicted in the books. I don't think Nick has really talked about this, but there's so much more to his backstory in the books that they haven't touched upon in the show. I'd be surprised if they ever do, assuming the show continues on for additional seasons. On the other hand, there are some storylines in the books that I've read so far that I think may be a bit too much to be shown on basic cable. For example, the story arcs about Jesus... Is it Jesus or Jesus? Desad... The, yeah, you, yeah, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus yeah, yeah, and uh, or the story about Cassidy's journalist friend Cy and the two detectives Paul Bridges and John Tool. Oh yeah, the Cy one will never make it. Cy, <laughs> uh, no, probably not. It would be cool if they did though, like uh, randomly. Yeah. Like this is yeah. one of those like two episode things they could do. Uh-huh. Yeah, right. Same with uh, uh, Paul, what, Paul, Paul Murphy is that his name? Uh, Paul Bridges and John Tool. Paul Bridges and John Tool. That's such a great those guys. Little bit, yeah. Those yeah. guys. That's in like issue four. It's like it's really, early. It's just before Angel. And Bell. then the cop is involved somewhere too, right? That those are the two cops. They're the two partners. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Wait, yeah. or no? Wait, are no. they the the the, the two they're sex the, detectives? The, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're the guys who. Are the, you sure? Yeah. I thought they were the two cops. There's one. Oh, there there are two cops. Yeah, remember there, the white guy and the, and the, the white guy dude. and the black guy. But then and then the white guy's the um, like. He's like super cop. Yeah, yeah. That everyone well, thinks he is. He starts off like super cop. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and the other guy has the worst luck in the universe. That's I right. thought those. I thought that's who those two were. No, but those guys are the the, the guys who. Right. Can't say it. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> no, they will. They will not. They will probably not make the show. Because it already kind of happened too. I'm remember? fascinated yes, by what's already, going yeah. on in front of me right now. Yeah, and and they tie into the Jesus Desad stuff. That yeah. that stuff won't make it because we live in America. Uh, well, <laughs> probably not. Yeah, probably not. Yeah, no. 
If the show was on HBO, it absolutely would. Oh, sure. And it would be awesome. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I love when Jesse goes on his rampage through that mansion. It's so good. Oh, when he's just so punching good. people out. Yeah, yeah going yeah. crazy. Yeah, definitely. Um, sorry. Well, I was going to talk about The All-Father again briefly. Yeah, Please. yeah. No, so so uh, Mark agreed with you that The All-Father's better in the books and, and very you, cartoonish in well, the show. Well, so to back that up, when I was just rereading the Masada stuff, and, I, and this is uh, not... A book, it's just dialogue from the book, but I screenshotted it because I wanted to share it. So when Jesse arrives at Masada um, to, to meet the All-Father face-to-face, um, and obviously I'm, this can't be a show spoiler because he's dead, yeah. unless there is a clone of him, in which case I apologize, mm-hmm. but that's ridiculous. So um, Jesse like uses the word and makes these Masada dudes bring him to the All-Father. And the guy describes how basically Jesse used the word and made all these soldiers shoot each other to death, except for one. And this guy's like crying about how he had to watch. And, and these people, he says he was still pumping bullets into the bodies and, and then blood was everywhere. And all I could hear until the gates closed was the empty gun, click, click, click. And he was still pulling the trigger. Like these guards, because he used the word and said shoot. And they're just yeah. still just pulling the trigger because you have to listen to him. And then Jesse says, so then I told this fellow to take me to the senior cocksucker in the vicinity. <laughs> to the all-father. And then the All-Father says lower your, to his guards, lower your guns, lower your guns. He is no threat. He only thought he was. And then he says, man of God, do you know what you face? I am the All-Father. This is the grail. The blood of the lamb is ours to guard, to shape the world, to receive that blood, to build an apocalypse of our own design. We have done and will do anything. The earth continues turning at our whim. At the end of every day, every leader of every nation makes a telephone call. They dial a number I have given them. And when I answer, they simply say, thank you. <laughs> but you you began by insulting me man of god and you demanded and threatened and sneered so like that panel is so awesome and then jesse goes i'm american fat boy what's your excuse <laughs> and like we never i feel like we never got a confrontation of that magnitude no. like that line about every leader of every nation calls him to say thank you because he lets them continue to exist and it's true it's amazing. Well, I guess it might not be true, but it, it sure, when you read the book, you're like, you, you believe like, it. Yeah, because yeah. the grail is so all-reaching in everything uh, that you totally buy into that. And yeah. it seems to be more only like Star and his and his Samson unit that are like the real screw-ups. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. But it's so, when I was reading that, I was like, oh, that's so good. And the alpha, and the way even the art is depicted, he's way more ludicrous looking in the comic. Like, he's hilarious yeah, way looking. way bigger. He's way bigger. Yeah. And way sillier. Like, and way, remember, like, remember when he people arrives? People have to keep him, like... They have to carry him. Carry him around, yeah. yeah. There's, like, a team of four people that carry him. Yeah. And it's an amazing panel in the book, too, when um, Star is at Masada with his right-hand man, which, by the way, I think we'll see him in season four. Um uh-huh. He's a French guy who works at Masada, and he's basically Star's like right hand. Okay, there. Uh, when they were waiting, he's never met the All Father, and Star's like telling him, like, "Oh, you've have you never seen the All Father?" The guy's like, "No," and he's like, "Oh." And the All Father's plane is coming in for a landing, mm-hmm. and it, it hits the runaway, and the the landing gear snaps, <laughs> <laughs> and you just see Star just like close his eyes and go, oh, and, he goes, and he says every fucking time, <laughs> and then the plane like skids to a halt because he's too heavy, and it, and then the door opens, and All Father's yeah. stand. I have that panel too. I'll just show it to Alex yeah. real quickly so you can hear his reaction, yeah, and see what he looks like. Yeah, this is him standing at the. <laughs> <laughs> He's humongous. Mm-hmm. That's fantastic. Yeah, the plane. Yeah, you see it. You see it like coming in and it lands, and one of the wheels just snaps off, and <laughs> Star just is like every fucking time. Yeah, it's the, so the comic one. did a good job of just making it like you know, like they did a little bit of the puking in the yeah. in the show, but it's like so much worse than the comic where it's like oh, it's really this close. is like a necessity, like this has to happen, and like 
like you're, you're scared of this guy just because of how big he is and yeah how powerful he is in the comic it's i mean i'm sorry in the show it's um it's a little bit like that uh, but not not as it's extreme. but it's much more of a joke than yeah. it is any type of like actual yeah, there's no fear respect or fear or anything yeah. like that mm-hmm. so and and that's that's one of the things that didn't quite work for me is even the alpha or uh uh, hair star is just kind of like mm-hmm. hair star acts as though you're seeing the all father from the comics i think he does in actually. the show yes yeah. absolutely yeah. Yeah, yeah and that's one he thing po- that they he, he makes it convincing yeah. so that their relationship is intact but kind of the representation of the all father is just a little bit a little bit too cartoony and and mm-hmm. and over the top and not menacing enough for me to believe that Hairstar needs to be afraid of this guy, you know. Yeah, and in, I guess in the book he does he is absolutely terrified of him in the book. He does and he's Marseille is the name of his French like it's a guy who works he's a higher up yeah. at the Grail but he uh he pretty much oversees Masada, I think. And I think we'll probably see him in season 4 and I'm excited for that because he's Maybe he's, he's kinda, the new Hoover, quote unquote. I think he will be. Yeah, yeah. except he's more competent than Hoover, but I yeah. think he will be the one that steps in to fill that role. Um, I'm glad you said that because I was thinking that when I was rereading this. But uh, he is the, he has never met the All Father really. He like just kind of does his thing at Masada, and uh, uh, Star's like, yeah, oh, you should be. T-. And he he gives him a gun early on because he so basically he's in with Star and he wants to help Star overthrow the All Father and become the new All Father. Yeah. Which do we leave off this season? Is is Star the new All Father? I don't know. We didn't see like a crowning or anything like that, but they okay. Supposedly, I mean, there's he will be. I'm, I'm yeah. not sure. I yeah. know he just went there. Took, well, that, he he took Cassidy there to, and he, then like he wants to bring Jesse there. Yeah, they yeah. haven't really like explained the hierarchy of the no. Grail too much in the show, but in the books, that that's his goal is to kind of overthrow mm-hmm. um, the All Father yeah. and become the new All Father. Well, he explains to so Marseille is on his side, and he basically hands him a gun. When they have to go talk to it, because the All Father summons him and starts like shit, he knows, and that's another thing too is like the the dialogue is really like, it's up there with like some of the the more political natured scenes from like Game of Thrones where the like, characters are talking about one thing but you know they're actually talking about like three other things. Yeah, that that's how the scene goes down, and it all seems like pleasantries, and and Marseille's kind of like when it's over he's kind of like oh well that and star's like no he knows this he knows that and he's like and this is how much time we have left and this is what we have to do and it reveals both how star is kind of a brilliant tactician but also the all fathers double that yeah and but before that meeting he gives marseille a gun and he's like keep this on you and if he says like we're found out and he's going to take us away he goes shoot yourself right away yeah because it's going to beat the alternative of what he'll do to you and you see it in the guy's eyes where he's like, what the? <laughs> and Star's just like, those are the facts. And like, it's just so effective. You're like, oh my God. I totally forgot that. See, you recall a lot of stuff. Well, I just read it. Oh, okay. Gotcha. A couple days ago. Like Fair I said, enough. I almost forgot. <laughs> but yeah, that, that kind of stuff. It's awesome. So th- the All-Father, like, he, served as, he served a function in the show and it was good. But the potential for what we could have had was simultaneously like a really, really scary villain and somebody who's also kind of hilarious. We'll finish out Mark's email real quick. He said, that being said, overall, I think the books and the show complement each other pretty well. Both have their strengths and weaknesses. Aside from the Masada storyline that is going to be covered in season four based upon the season three finale, I will be very interested to see what storylines the showrunners pick to choose, uh, pick and choose to depict in the future. Assuming, of course, that the show does not get canceled. Looking at online comments about how the show in general the last couple of months, it's uh, about the show in general over the last couple of months, it seems clear that season two did not do the show any favors in terms of the fan base. 
Hopefully, men, uh, many who quit on the show after season two will come back and give season three a look again, and it'll be picked up for season four and beyond. Thanks again for a great season of podcasts. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Mark, for the the wonderful email. Um, and the discussion. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's uh, so un- unfortunately, there's no indication as of yet whether or not the show will continue. Uh, it took about a month after season three for the the pickup to be announced. So we could hear something in the next couple of weeks, but um, I don't know. Like I'm, you said, I'm going to choose to have a lot of faith in AMC's relationship with Sam Catlin. I'm hopeful. Yeah, like I, I AMC has never really been one to. I mean, it, 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 except in some cases, namely uh, Rubicon, which pour one out. Uh, but they don't really. If it if it gets into like season three, they're not necessarily one to be like, okay, you don't get any closure. Like I don't think they would look at the season three finale of the show and be like, you know what, that's an okay place to leave this. We're done. In no way. No. So I think it's I like think, an Empire Strikes Back level, almost like cliffhanger. I think at the very least, I could see them come back and be like, hey, we're giving you eight episodes like if they wanted to cancel it they'd be like we'll give you eight episodes finish out your story you're done absolutely i I think so too and that would be a bummer but it would be better than getting nothing after this wouldn't it be funny though if they said they were going to do that and then they made season four and it was like a smash hit because they they dial it in yeah and just crank it up to to try to close it off and then they're like oh we want more (laughs) and they're like we don't have anything else the thing is like the the Mm, I guess the final six issues of Preacher, there is a lot of buildup. You spend a lot of time kind of just characters t- talking and checking in with each other yeah. because they know there's an end coming. Mm-hmm. So you could pare that down quite a bit, actually. Like Jesse spends almost a whole issue driving his pickup truck and like listening to the radio and talking about America mm-hmm. and conversing with John Wayne and like. It's amazing. Like it's a gr- it's great stuff, but it it doesn't need to be in the show. Yeah, that's the kind of stuff that can be safe for the book. So I guess the ending, because there's that ultimatum towards the end of the book where he like he 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 says like in one week he's gonna do something, and then you kind of have almost a countdown to that. And uh, yeah, yeah, is, there's a lot of stuff you could trim out. So I guess I, w- I was about what I was about to say was that y- the finale of the book almost is a whole season anyway, but it, it really isn't. But there there's a lot of stuff that goes down because by that point. You have your main three characters. You also have, you know, the scene of killers, if you consider him a character, a main character. You have... Uh, um, Hairstar. Hairstar. You ha- yeah, there was somebody else I was thinking of that kind of has... A, uh, the, the, um, well, yeah, kind of the, the grail in general. is kind of, Anyway, that, that's not the end of there. There's a lot of stuff that, that goes down in the, in the finale of the books in the last, like, two, three issues in particular. Yeah. And that it's, it's quite... It's a, a big release. The, the last arc is just like everything kind of wrapping up and but it's like true. taking a long time to do it yeah but it's yeah. so satisfying it's so gratifying it, is, it really yeah. is uh we did get another email from leanne who said uh hello nick and alex once again she didn't know lance would be joining us uh just want to say that i enjoy the podcast and your insights into the show i haven't really been interested in reading the comments but our comics but nick's comments about them have piqued my curiosity I like all the Nick praise going on. Yeah. Feedback. <laughs> just uh, Alex deserves most of the praise. That's not true. I just really wanted to pass. I can't read, so I can't do literally any of the homework for the show. Yes, but you can record a hell of a podcast. <laughs> and you can produce and record and edit well, and, thank you. and present a hell of a podcast. That's very kind of you. 
she goes on to say, I just really wanted to pass along an interesting note about the song played during the fight between Jesse and Jody. I recognized it as soon as it faded up on the scene. It's the Prodigal Son by the Black Angels. I thought it was very apropos without being too obvious. Since it is not a song that is well known in pop culture, I'm guessing a few watchers would or a few watchers would be familiar with it. Looking forward to your season recap. Have a great day. Uh, thank you very much. I did see they did have it on the subtitles when you had the the closed captioning. I saw that too. Yeah, uh, on so I knew that that was the song being played, but I had never heard the song before. But I think a lot of the music that they had in that finale was very religiously themed. You mm-hmm. know, between between the uh, the choral stuff that we were talking about last week. Oh the, God, that was the best. But also. You know the song, like, it, and it, it just felt like they were coming back around to the more religious side of things after taking the voodoo detour with season two and three, which mm-hmm. uh, I think was good. But um, yeah, thank you, Leanne, for writing in. I think the last song had some lyric about souls as well. The yeah, very last song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, it's cool. They they kind of tied it all together with some of the music there. Uh, Jason did write in on Discord to uh, to. Uh, kind of agree with Nick a little bit in the last episode he said I personally thought that the Nazis all showing up was just meant to show that there are tons of idiots in today's America just waiting to be activated by a Hitler type <laughs> I like the phrase activated yeah. they're, sleeper, they're, they're sleeper cell they're, yeah, Nazis they're, they're dormant <laughs> at, they're dormant at the grinder store and at circuit works until they are activated <laughs> Uh, and then he said, also trying to avoid overt politics here as much as possible. But I think the season that uh, this season between the vampires and the Nazis really tried to show that, which goes along with what you you said last week, Nick. Which is that's kind of what you came around to after seeing the Children of Blood yeah, and, yeah. and the Nazis. I'm really glad that that I bothered to even think about that a little more. I'm not like praising myself. I'm just <laughs> I'm, I'm genuinely happy that I. Put a little more thought into it. I decided to think a little bit more about it, if you can decide what your brain thinks. Can (laughs) can you? We're straying into Jaden Smith territory. uh, That'll be after the Fitness Nerds (laughs) podcast. (laughs) There will not be a Midwest Fitness fitness Nerds podcast. Nope. Not likely. Not hosted by me, anyway. (laughs) That would make it the ultimate. (laughs) What'd you guys do today? I thought about making a Twitch account that's me trying to play video games as I'm on my exercise bike, but I haven't... I I haven't... uh, my my self consciousness is too great for me to to go through an experiment. I like would need that. like a stabilizer for like my head because if my body was doing this and I and there was a TV or something, <laughs> I, I wouldn't be able to do it. It'd yeah. be too difficult. I would just be, I need I would need to like, you know you know in like Sherlock Holmes how they they put that warp stabilizer oh, on yeah, people yeah, yeah, during yeah. those scenes and yeah. it looks so cool. That's what I would need somehow. Like, a, <laughs> like I would need the, the TV mounted to my head. Like a head-mounted device that like is out here because yeah I wouldn't be able to it's, do it. It's rough, but anyway, that's beside the point. Uh, yeah, the whole Nazi thing. I don't know. I think uh, yeah, we've spoken about it enough. But it's yeah. good. It's good to see that Jason had the same feeling that you did at least of like what they were trying to do. He go, he went on to say, I don't necessarily think I liked what they did with it or that they were that successful with it. But he thought that was where they were trying to go with it, and I I can see that. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I agree. And uh, they did catch some flack for that, though. Like they got a lot of really negative feedback for including the MAGA hat. Oh, oh yeah, no. The oh. I mean I, that there was that hit we, uh, that hit Fox News as soon as it possibly could, and and you know. And but. I read some of the comments and stuff, and I was like, man, people got really really upset about that. Like they took it really hard. <laughs> Yeah, Are they well, burning Nikes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah, they're they're gonna burn all their Seth, Seth Rogen movies oh, now that. Uh, it's I don't know. 
I'm sure Fox News is like, those Hollywood elites making fun of Donald Trump again. Hollywood elites. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, I mean, I was really surprised. Uh, did you send me that or did I, did I stumble across it on my own? I think it must, I think, have, it I must think have been it, on the subreddit or something because I don't, I don't, I think I saw it, but I don't know that we shared it with each other. I think not. I actually got uh, like a iPhone news alert about oh. it. I think that's how I read it. Yeah. The last two weeks are a bit of a blur, but I, yeah. I do remember reading it and being like, oh, wow, this, this like made actual news. Yeah. Maybe that'll help boost uh, <laughs> yeah, season, season four. Season four, yeah, <laughs> oh, wow. exposure. Because because they are getting some. Maybe they're gonna take that to AMC and be like, see, yeah, Hollywood we'll make, fellow we'll Hollywood elites. <laughs> <laughs> Let's keep poking the bear. Yeah, uh, yeah. So I don't know. I I think at the end here, one of the things that I want to talk about because that's most of the listener feedback that we got. And thank you everybody for showing up in force and and giving us some stuff to chat about on this wrap up episode. But oh, yeah. Um, overall, I think it's a very interesting season. I'm excited to kind of, I, I, I want to go back and rewatch this season before season four, uh, which I, which I haven't necessarily done, which I didn't do with season one and season two necessarily. But, um, I think the whole idea of this season, I, I always have thought that the theme of like the family you choose versus the family you were born into is always, it's very ripe for, for interesting storytelling. And I think seeing this in Preacher, I think they did a really good job with it and kind of, you know, showing us Jesse closing out the toxicity in his family life and coming into his other family of Tulip and, and Cassidy um and having them kind of separated out to do that this season i think worked really well it gave us it gave everybody ample time to go and do their own thing rather than feel like tulip and cassidy are just hanging out in the in the apartment of season two you know i agree so i really liked that stuff about season three and I, and i think uh overall everything worked for me a lot more than than it did in season two you know and and i think Honestly, for me, I think season three is my favorite season of the show. Season one's very interesting, and it's an interesting experiment. Yeah, it might be for me also. I was thinking the same thing recently. I was trying to like rank them, and I have to go back and rewatch season one. I think I might, I might like it less now because we're we're further along. But it it was it was a great introduction yes. to the world that they set up. But I think as far as like being a season of preacher, three is probably the best. Yeah, like the, it feels like we're start. We I finally feel like we are on the brink of getting to the the themes of preacher and like getting to the places where preacher wants us to go yeah which which felt far away from season one you know what you're right i think you're right because of simply one fact and it's that god was a presence in this season yeah and jesse although he isn't so much like he still don't have Jesse like one. Season two was the one actually probably with Jesse the most concerned with finding God. Yeah. But it also just worked the least because it wasn't in the way, like they were just squatting in a city. The well, whole they time. had, it, it was, it was a shot in the dark that they ended up like by hamp- happenstance finding the man dog. But yeah, now no, that, yeah, absolutely. Now that Jesse, I think will ultimately be aware that, Tulip, I mean, he knows that Tulip and God have had some discussions recently. And that God does not want Jesse to find him for some reason. I think we'll be really spurned into 
that needed to happen. Yeah. yeah that really did need to happen. That, yeah. That, that part of the show. Which part? God saying, stop. Tell Jesse oh, to stop looking for me. A thousand percent. Yes. Yeah. 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 That that was one thing that I, I even said in the episode after that. I was like so geeked when he finally finally yeah. said that. And it, like I, I kind of said, I don't know how much of us you are caught up on mm-hmm. of our show. Mm-hmm. But I, I kind of said that in the books that happens a few times. Mm-hmm. And it, it starts to become kind of funny where God is talking to different characters and sometimes even the same character and be like, you you tell that Jesse to stop it. Stop, <laughs> yeah. stop it now. But yeah. he can't talk to Jesse directly because he's afraid of him. And that's, it's awesome. That's the yeah. thing. Like, What's so interesting about it to me is that right now, God in the show still feels like the almighty, the 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 omniscient omnipotent like he is he still feels like that ultimate but i'm excited to start seeing him like crumble at the at the kind of tips of of jet like not not necessarily crumble but like i want god to start being more the butt of the joke mm-hmm. of the show i think you know and, and that sounds like a little bit to what nick's talking to the idea that like he's still trying to get everyone that he can to stop jesse Oh yeah, and it's really interesting because he he's still God. Like he hasn't his power is not diminished. Yeah. Like he is still God. And that's that's what's awesome is like he's got this kind of weird chess or checkers game, I guess, going uh with <laughs> Jesse because he doesn't want to fuck with him. Like he yeah. doesn't want to piss him off more. So he he can't just like d- destroy every, you know, he's like, like thwarting but also placating at yes like the same yeah he time. wants to like stay away from him but he, he doesn't want to destroy everything close to him because he knows that'll just make him even angrier and even more determined mm-hmm. to find him so he's kind of playing this game where he's kind of like telling other people to tell him to stop and he's also trying to also i think hope that he gets bored or like satisfied with something else yeah, yeah. but if there's one thing you know about jesse custer it's that he's not going to stop when he's got his mind set to something yeah and in the book, Jesse is probably more that way, even than the show, Jesse. Way more, a book, yeah. Pig headed. I think, I think it's always, at, like, like just at a. It's like routinely brought up in the book. It's like I'm gonna kick his ass when I find him. I'm gonna beat I'm him gonna, up. You yeah, know, like yeah, you know, absolutely. And it's kind of it's kind of gets lost a little bit in the show. Yeah, most of the book is actually like Jesse, just various like ass kicking rendezvous he has lined up. Mm-hmm. Like even in the panels that I had here with the All Father when he's done. Talking to the Allfather, he's kind of like, yeah, and I got to talk to that to that scar-faced idiot behind you because sorry, <laughs> he goes, he goes, because the tip of my boot and his ass have a have a, a run, have a have a date or something like that. <laughs> yeah. It's just the book is a continuing like series of of ass kicking threats, and it's yeah. so funny. Yeah. <laughs> There's also a great panel where uh, Jesse's trying to get to Masada, and he leaves. He, he, he tulips like he tells her, he's like, hey, just chill, chill at the hotel. And uh, I'm going to go like, I'm going to go do some digging, some investigation or something. And she's like, okay. And then like you have like a bunch of stuff happens in the issue. And then they talk about, it's almost kind of like a, 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 a last Cru- Indiana Jones, last crusade style joke where like star is explaining to somebody about like who's coming that Jesse cause is trying to find him. And he talks about like what a threat he is and like how they need to be like uh, at full guard basically. And it cuts, it's like the literally the last thing in the issue it's like this full page of Jesse at a bar and he's got like a guy held like this and there's all these people trying to attack him and he's like, I just asked for directions. <laughs> That's it. And there's like a whole bar of like French people trying to beat his ass and it's just Jesse in there by himself. And you know he's going to walk out having kicked the ass of everyone there because he's Jesse. He's Jesse. And it's awesome. Yeah. Beautiful. 
so the one the one other big question I wanted to ask you guys about season three. How did you feel about the fact that this is a season that is essentially without Genesis? Oh, yeah. Like, we spent most of the time without Genesis yeah. until we got him back. Yeah. Like. That's a good question. Do you feel like this season was, this season benefited from the fact that Genesis was hamstrung and Jesse could not use it as a crutch? Or did you did you miss it? Are you looking forward to it being back? Like, what do you what do you think about how that all played out in terms of he didn't actually have Genesis back until the last episode or two? I think it's okay because he doesn't have Genesis for that arc of the book either. Like okay. I said, that they Genesis does not work yeah. on uh, Grandma and Jody and TC, uh, and in the both in the book and the show, it's extremely satisfying when Genesis is is sort of back at at full strength. In the book, it's it is. I hate to like continue to echo what we've been saying, but in the book, <laughs> it is ex- it's insanely satisfying when he has Genesis back. Mm-hmm. But in the show, it is too. It's really great in the yeah. show. But in the book, you're there are so many moments in Preacher, like I said, where you just want to high five somebody. <laughs> yeah, it, it almost definitely. makes you wish that comic book reading was a more like uh, group social experience because you, you just want to. It's mm-hmm. like at a, when your home team scores a touchdown or something. Like, yeah, in a game, you oh just want to jump up and just like high five people because it's so good. So the you know when when everything finally happens in Angel, what does Jesse do? He goes like yeehaw. You know? Yeah, he does <laughs> say yeehaw. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's true. Yeah, <laughs> and that's exactly how you feel too in that moment. You're just you want to do the same thing. Yeah. it's like the scene in Neverending Story when uh when like something awesome happens and like uh bastion in real life he like jumps up and like runs around the room do you know what i'm talking about yeah. and like celebrates and then he like re- he like settles back into the book like that's what great stories and and can do even when you're by yourself you they just wanna, elicit like, that you, reaction yeah you just want to celebrate and the angelville arc part of the reason the book made such an impact on me in general is because the, you those moments happen numerous times within the first five ten issues you have all these moments where you just like you are so along for the ride with these characters right off the bat, and it, it's just, it's such like a, a release when these kind of things happen. And the show, as great as it is, it has yet to. I can't think of one moment quite yet where I wanted to just like just fist pump so hard. And I think that this season is the one that definitely kind of got the closest because that when Genesis yeah. kind of rolls back in, it, it is really exciting. Yeah. Honestly, the the moments that made me want to do that the most were the ones with God for some reason. Yeah, because they're so sure. good. Sure. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> The, the 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 finale had had a lot of things that they they tied him up, put a bow on him, that, that still didn't give you the fist bump feeling. Like, yeah, it, like so the comparable character of Icarius and Jesus decide um, in the uh, in the book, the way that what happens to Jesus decide in the book is is a lot more satisfying than what happens to Icarius, and because like in Icarius it's kind of like a clever thing. What happened to him? It's like, oh yeah, I bit her, and then she bit everyone else, and then now you're d- you're done. You know, yeah. it's like it was kind of like a very it's very neat standard. Yeah, it feels like okay, I've yeah. seen this kind of thing happen in other movies. Yeah, yeah. but what what he do- what Cassidy does to Jesus aside in the book is like unbelievable. It's like it's like like it's just a total stance on like you're nothing like me. This is what I'm gonna do to you, and like it just it's incredible. It's Interesting. Really yeah. Hmm. I forgot some of the Jesus aside conclusion, yeah. so I'm gonna have to reread that. Yeah. That that happens mm-hmm. between Masada and Angelville. That's that's mm-hmm. the arc between those two, right? right. I right. think it is. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. yeah, I'll have to reread that then. Mm-hmm. 
yeah. So I don't know if there's any other topics on on, on people's minds. I mean, we we haven't really touched too much on on uh, Cassidy and kind of where he's ended up. But I, I have to say, I think the Acaria stuff to me worked so much better than the Denise stuff. Yeah. Like yeah. the Denise stuff in, in season two felt like a lot of arrested development for 13 episodes. You know, you're just like, he finally turned him and then it just felt like this time bomb that ultimately got tossed aside at, at, at the end of the season. And, and you know, that's fine. I didn't need more Denis. I didn't need Denis no. with Les Enfants to song, but no. Um, <laughs> I really like Decarius. You know what? What did you guys say? You said he was like a poor man's Tom Hiddleston or something like that. Uh, he felt he he just felt to me like a like a like the B list venerable British actor. Was, there you go. There like you, go. you know, and, and 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 I don't mean that in any kind of bad way because mm-hmm. I think he's a great actor and I, and I yeah. think, but he's just someone who's never been on my radar before. That's the thing. Yeah, you don't know who he is. He's yeah. probably like a like a like a theater star in England or something like yeah. that I assume but yeah. he he had that charisma to to really sell yeah. his performance oh yeah and he and you know to have to get Cassidy on his side for those couple episodes I think it's it's good of the actor and it's good of of um Joe Gilgan how how much like Joel Gilgan was like into it you yeah know? like he was like oh definitely was like yeah I want to go flying with this guy yeah I'm gonna go hang out with this guy you know like what you could turn into a make cat. out in our coffins <laughs> yeah like total totally weird <laughs> weird zany stuff that was going on yeah. that was a really interesting thing that we haven't really talked about how they there there was a, a like a same-sex relationship in the show yeah that cast the book Cassidy would not never yeah in a million years I yeah. don't think uh, no there's too much masculinity in the book the book is insane it's almost yeah. like fight club level of like yeah. hilarious which is funny because the tombs is fight club <laughs> <laughs> it right? kind of is yeah, yeah. It's, like, uh, it's like undead fight club sort of yeah. it's really strange yeah but yeah, yeah yeah just like that like you would not have Cassidy book do, book Cassidy do that it is funny because I think yeah. fight fight club goes down in history as one of the most like misinterpreted works like ever I actually just <laughs> it's funny how you said that uh, I read some list about it was called like the top ten most misunderstood yeah. stories or like misinterpreted. I guess is really the only way. And Fight Club is really funny how it it, it really a generation of dudes got all riled up by it for like the wrong reasons. Yeah, and it ended up like Preacher's kind of the same way, where it is sort of a send up of the American male ideal, like the Marlboro Man kind of attitude. But it also embraces it, and in a way. Like, I think if, I, I don't know, if you were to interview Ennis and Dylan then and now, what they would say about it. Because I feel like back then when they were younger and they were writing it, they probably were like, we're making a spoof. Yeah. But now they might look back and be like, we also kind of loved it at the same time. You know what I mean? Like, that the style of like... American kind of thing. That style of like lone man action story mm-hmm. is kind of going by the wayside. And now it's almost referred to as like the old man action movie. And there, I saw this article that I saved that was called like the death of the old man action movie. And they were saying that the Equalizer 2 <laughs> was basically like saying that this genre is is dead with this movie like the or saying like this era could, and this is a weird era that never really existed previously but we've had like for the last 10 years sort of this like it all kind of started with like taken yeah. i think taken. or like yeah. 
that kind of and we've had a whole bunch of movies like dead that. movie renaissance yeah but but they're <laughs> but dead movies they used to star like younger men like they used to yeah. be like the 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 jcvds of the world and that kind of thing like seagulls like those were dead movies but they were guys who you could believe yeah like okay this guy's in like his mid to late 30s he's in like the prime f- of fighting form of his life like it makes sense mm-hmm. and now we have these old man action movies that they don't make any sense yet no. we still buy into it completely and uh so Preacher, in a way, the book feels kind of like both a spoof of that idea and at the same time, a kind of a love letter to it. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that I find so satisfying about it is like, yeah, those those kind of movies and, and those sort of uh, westerns, especially about this idea of like one stranger that can roll into town and like make a difference. It's it's kind of stupid. And those kind of movies are often like filled with a lot of like really gross stereotypes and tropes. But they're also kind of really satisfying, and I don't quite know why, but you can watch a movie like that or read a book like that and be like, this Superman character shouldn't exist, and it shouldn't it shouldn't satisfy my appetite at all, but it sometimes it's kind of like it has it's a very particular itch that that kind of story can scratch and preacher often is that when you're reading it, you're like laugh, you're like this should not be Jesse Custer should not be a compelling character, but he is. He's kind of, in a way, the flattest character in the whole book, yet yeah. you like really, really, really love him and get behind him. Mm-hmm. He's a man of few words kind of guy. Gary Cooper, strong, silent type. John Wayne, I should yeah. say. You know. Yeah, John Wayne um, would poo-poo all over that. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. What did he say? He said something like, what, that high noon, that communist piece of garbage? Yeah, yeah, yeah. basically. Yeah, he makes fun of it. Yeah, yeah, he does, right? The So, do you feel like the show represents that as well? Like, do you feel like that has made it into the show? that that love letter that send up because i don't i don't necessarily know that i found it being that much of a comment on it all but it's kind of hard to say until you get reach the end and see where it takes the characters and right of like what it you know the, the, the finishing blow or the punchline i guess yeah. Yeah. so but and i and i i guess to to go back to what kind of got us in here the the same sex between Acarius and Cassidy, I thought worked really well. I think on the strengths of their performances, as you were saying, Lance, and just kind of, it felt like a place that Cassidy would go after learning that things would never go anywhere with Tulip. And the fact that he could kind of have this (laughs) Aladdin, as we kind of joked, show up and just take him on a magical carpet ride, essentially. Yeah. it was interesting to to kind of see him um come to to lose a little bit of that cynicism about mm-hmm. vampires mm-hmm. and ultimately it comes back yeah. but yeah, yeah. it was a very interesting journey for Cassidy to take this season i think yeah yeah it was really kind of sweet too like you you really realized how it must feel to be him and when he found somebody who he thought he could he had like sort of a partner yeah, he really pulls it off. Just the the character, the writing really pulls off the the I'm a 110-year-old vampire. I've seen a lot of shit. I've had so many friends like you. Remember when he had that conversation with Tulip? Yep. He's like, "I've had so many Tulips and Jessies before you, and I'm going to have so many Tulips and Jessies after you." You know, he really It was heartbreaking. Kind of, and the drug addiction and being like you can't even feel it anymore kind of thing. That that soliloquy he had was really good. It was um yeah. So so it started out as a joke, right? The same sex thing where it was like 
It's like, oh, yeah, I've seen you. I've seen, you know, a vampire kiss a girl before. And then he sees the vampire kiss a guy and he's like, oh, now we're talking. Yeah. <laughs> like it started out as a joke <laughs> and then just got so much more serious and developed. And yeah, it, it ultimately was, really meant something. And yeah. it would be nice to see Cassidy really feeling the effects of like having found something that could have been like really genuine and, and long lasting and mm-hmm. meaningful and just like having it not only go away, but be like a, a betrayal. Mm-hmm. I it's hope we kind of see him dealing with that a little bit in uh, the next okay. season, but I don't think we will. I think That's, they're just going to be like, Meh. The thing is, it's sad to kind of see it all end up reinforcing his cynicism mm-hmm. in a way. Like, I, I wish that could have lived a little bit longer to see where it took him. I like that, but, though. Because I, I see what you're saying, and I think in another work with other characters, I would want to see a character learn and grow from that and, yeah. and heal and uh, become better for it, but... Part of the reason I love Book Cassidy is because of the character's arc, and it's a it's a it's a long it's a time serious time release arc. Like it takes a long time, and where it winds up and the specific nature of his arc, I it is one of my like top ten favorite characters in comics. And I would yeah. never say that. I would if you were like, who are your top ten favorite comic book characters? Cassidy would not even make the top fifty, but unless you're talking about a very specific, like why do you love this character? Like in terms of character growth or like even just the, their particular journey, uh, he, it's amazing. It's absolutely jaw dropping. And I think that Cassidy's cynicism and sort of defeat as a result of being reinforced as a result of everything with Icarus, it, it puts him more on that path. And in that regard, I'm really into it. And that's that's fair, but and I guess the other thing is the other thing that won't be lost is the fact that it felt like uh, before he got taken to Masada, we were headed towards this genuine like relief from him that Tulip mm-hmm. would continue to be a part of his life, and that he and Jesse and Tulip would link back up and continue to journey through whatever's going on together, and his yeah. like. Because we get to this point in the season where he just discards them and is like, we're done. Like, as you said, yep. there's been so many Tulips and Jessies. But to see them come back and to have her come back for him, I think, will be interesting. And, and I guess after this conversation, I'm a little less skeptical of Jesse wanting to go to Masada. That was something I said in, la- in the last episode of like, I don't know that I feel like Jesse would go to rescue him. Sure. But I think I do. I think in the end, all said and done, I think between Tulip urging him and his also friendship with, with Cassidy, he will... Well, the motivation is there. Yeah, in the book, his motivation to go to Masada to get Cassidy is... It's dialed up to like a thousand because he has no idea in the book at this point that there's even a romantic interest between Cassidy and Tulip. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's very—it's incredibly one-sided. It's like Cassidy—it's one hundred percent to zero. It's—it's it's not even like she has a passing interest. It's like not even not in a million years if you're the last man on earth kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And Jesse has no idea. And Tulip tells Cassidy like, "You can't talk to Jesse about this because it will crush him and he will kill you," kind of thing. Yeah. And so it's—it's it's a very like odd love triangle in that not all of the parties are in the same no sort of. Yeah. But Cassidy is like Jesse's like end all be all best friend at this point in the books, and so he's like, yeah, I will climb to the ends of the earth to rescue Cassidy. Yeah, yeah. and uh, so it's really it's really compelling when you know that 
and Jesse will stop at nothing to go save him. Yeah, that's so true in the book. It's their their best buds till the end, even when they hate each other in parts of the book. Um, mm-hmm. And in the show, yeah, like you, even you questioning that would be difficult for the show to rectify it. You know, like 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 oh my god, like Cassidy's in trouble. You're not gonna go help him. Like they might spend one or two episodes needlessly on that. You yeah, know? and that's and, the, and if you're going to do just ten episodes or even eight episodes, if they only get that, it's like it's a waste. I feel like we're still a season yeah. away from being at that point with Jesse and Cassidy. Like yeah. I think yeah. after this Masada arc and the show, yeah, I could I could see them being best of buds. Well, the fine the final panel of the Masada arc, the final image you see from it is so beautiful. Oh, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, it's awesome, <laughs> and I hope we get to that point. Oh. So that, that means there's five seasons. <laughs> right, right. If, you, if, you, it, if, you if Alex four, is right, yeah, yeah, it takes a whole season to get to that <laughs> yeah. point. No, it's true. Is well, it, is also, it, what, what Cassidy undergoes at Masada, I don't know if the, if the show will reach the, the place the books does. Yeah. Well, they, well, well they, are, they already talked about, I'm bringing in my favorite. Uh, yeah, uh, Frankie, Frankie Toscani. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So. I, uh, you just got this image in my mind of, Batman Begins, Thomas Wayne is Jesse Custer coming down to save Cassidy in in the hole that he's in. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> beautiful. But uh yeah. Now, so uh yeah, season 4 we're all pumped it sounds like. It needs to happen, right? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It, it it must. I mean, yeah. I thought every season prior to this I have thought was essential. Like I was like after season one, I was like, well, we have to have them going on the journey now. <laughs> and after season two, I was like, we have to have something better than that. Yeah. And after season three, I'm like, we have to, we have to see Masada. Mm-hmm. And I think that I, I shouldn't say I think I hope that we get. Uh, you know what? No, I don't know because it won't be as satisfying. Cassidy's already had Masada. I was gonna say I, I hope we get some of those like road adventure episodes, but it with just uh, Jesse and Tulip, it won't be the it same. Won't work as well. Yeah. Although they do have some kind of one-sided issues like that where like it's just they're usually mostly just jesse and cassidy though the kind of the you know what i mean like kind of those filler ones like the big cassidy backstory issues happen i think they're post masada actually i think it's just jesse and cassidy do you see a a world where there's a two-hour premiere that closes out the masada arc for like season five no Oh, like season like, four starts. Like season four starts at the at the peak, and like just I was thinking shit about hits that. the wall in Masada, yeah. and then you've got eight episodes to go, and or six or whatever it ends up being. Yeah. To no, continue on the no, story, because no. too much stuff happens in Masada. Although now with the All Father not in the picture, that does yeah, you take him out. And that does relieve the Hair Star story essentially. Yeah. Which is such a disappointment. The more yeah. I've talked about it, I've been like. Because it's really cool watching Jesse and Tulip on their way to Masada. It's really cool watching the Saint on the way to Masada, but it's also cool seeing what's going on at Masada because you're invested in what Hair Star's got going on. Yeah, You're also in, intrigued by Cassidy's story. There's this captive angel at Masada yep. who's also an interesting element, which oh, yeah. Yeah, you yeah, don't... Yeah. You don't see that. You don't know what it is or even see it until a little ways in. You see it teased. Like, you see characters looking into this room where it's imprisoned and being like, oh, my God. And you're like, well, what is it? Like, who's there? What's there? And then when it's revealed that it's an angel who's actually yeah. chained up and, and 
And you're like, oh, who can hold an angel captive? Like, that's yeah. crazy. That is one of the coolest parts of the whole Masada Did story. I ask you that last episode? You did, yeah, right okay. at the end. All you, right, you were I like, wanted to. You were like, what is it? And I was like, uh, and you were like, is it an angel? And I was like, yeah, yeah. And that's all okay. we said. All right, good. <laughs> I, I think it made it into the episode. I think it did, too. I, I should probably double check before I... It doesn't matter. It's an angel. Like, yeah. you'll, you'll, you, if you can't yeah. tell... Yeah. You'll just watch it again and you'll understand, like, yeah. okay, because otherwise, what is it? It's not Hawkman. It's not. Uh, <laughs> it's not Harvey Birdman, attorney at law. Damn. Sorry. <laughs> it's not Stephen Colbert. It's Harvey Birdman. <laughs> like as as the angel of Stephen Colbert. Beautiful. No, it's not. Um, yeah, that's some of my favorite stuff. And uh, he, he, it's a very important character, and it's a very important part yeah. of the Masada story. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm. I can't wait to see who they cast as that character. Sure. It it yeah. actually shouldn't be anybody famous at all. No. It should be a nobody. Yeah. But it should be somebody who looks like an angel, like a like a divine being. What if it's uh what if it's uh John Travolta re- reprising his role as an Don't angel and Michael? Say Michael. <laughs> <laughs> no. I'll stop. Um yeah. it sounds okay. So two episodes of Masada doesn't work. I, I don't think so. Half a season would. Half yeah, season. and that, that whole season that could maybe be it because it sounds like at least the way things are structured this year, I think they had like that Comic Con panel, which was like, "This is the halfway point. Here's what's coming after this." Oh, really? Are they planning on six up six seasons? Uh, no, no, no. But I, I the so the com- went Comic Con kind of happened in the middle of this season, mm-hmm. and they showed a trailer at Comic Con of like, "Here's the back half of season three. Okay. So I could see them structuring things that way. I don't know that it was that clearly defined or delineated in this season, but I, you know, it feels like there's room for them to do that with Masada next season, maybe. Yeah, if they did half a season of Masada, one episode of In Between Masada slash Cassidy Backstory, because we really need that. And then, like, a lead-in to, like... I'm trying to think what comes after Masada... I just started reading some of it. Lance is pulling up Wikipedia right now. I, I bet. <laughs> In a non-spoiler fashion, Lance, give me a couple key words. I know I probably just read a couple of those, or I, I kind of, I kind of was bouncing around because I read Masada, and then it would remind me of another arc or like some other characters, and I kind of jumped ahead a few issues, and I was like, I want to read a little bit of this. Um, you know, if it goes from from Masada to there's there's a big battle. There's a big confrontation, like somewhere near the Grand Canyon. Right after Masada. Yeah. Oh, it's Salvation, but that's that's kind of already happened. That's King Cannon, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's oh. where Jesse goes off on his own. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. but that's different in the book than it is in the show. There's a few characters. That's mm-hmm. with the sheriff, right? That he like befriends. Be, yeah, yeah. Oh man, wait. Uh, it can't be. What? Because after there's there's a there's an event that occurs that makes him go off on his own for a little bit. Jesse? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's after Masada? Yeah. No. Isn't that after the fight at the Grand Canyon? Fight at the Grand Canyon. There's that big confrontation because... Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's... Oh, okay. There we go. That's like my favorite stuff. Oh, I skipped. I skipped. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) You guys are like adding to the activation energy of me just reading the comics at this point because I'm... I, told, I scrolled too much. <laughs> with my Wouldn't that be a twist for our show if Alex suddenly came back and yeah. we hadn't said anything on social media and he goes, and I have finally read. <laughs> I I think I'm going to stick to it. You but should. I yeah. think, uh, I think you know, at least. Well, the Salvation we would, arc is so cool because it's almost an entire arc that's like a bottle because Jesse, it. yeah. it's Jesse's kind of 
he has like a one man experience. He mm-hmm. has this kind of solo uh story and it's so awesome mm-hmm. it's so so it's it's like pure undistilled mm-hmm. uh or undiluted rather jesse custer because he mm-hmm. doesn't have tulip or cassidy to like bring out these different sides of him so you have like raw jesse and it's so good yeah it's so awesome that's awesome uh after masada so yeah like the last panel of Masada is right. them and hanging out. Yeah. yeah, and then you have that. Then, you have like two issues of them. And then it says, I see Les, les Enfants du Sang. Oh, that, that is it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I just got the tease for that. And they're diff- They're very different. Oh, in the, the book. voodoo stuff? Yeah, yep. yeah. That's yeah, what yeah, it is. Yeah. So there's voodoo. It's stuff. the new. It's back. It's actually different voodoo stuff. Yeah, it's way like different. The, it's like the first time they actually go to New Orleans. I yeah, think. Yeah, the, the voodoo stuff. So yeah, so that's a good arc. Yeah, the because the voodoo stuff is like two different paths. Because Masada makes you do. You, you turn. You, I'm just gonna assign directions. You turn left on Cassidy and Masada, and then the voodoo stuff happens, and you turn right, mm-hmm. and you're and you suddenly have this really. Oh man, the book is so brilliant. It's it's <laughs> I I I have. I have a hundred percent certainty they did not do this, but it feels like when you look at it, if you were to, there's a really great like 15 minute video of Christopher Nolan with a, with a chalkboard and a piece of chalk laying out the story structure of Memento. Yeah. And not only what it is like on the page or on the screen, but like what it means in terms of writing and how this arc is, it is so good. And if you, if you're a Christopher Nolan hater, I understand uh, in a way because he kind of reached this, level of fame where suddenly it's kind of in vogue to turn on them. Yeah. And, but I don't think he deserves it, but I get, I, I understand the human desire to try to tear down something that's flawless like Christopher Nolan. Yeah. But obviously in my opinion, he has not made a bad film and he, he, if there's any director working right now, who's due a stinker, it's him. And he's not doing it. Like Dunkirk was about to come out and I was like, I don't know, man, this might be the one that sucks. <laughs> and, then I, and then, and then the movie ended and I was like, there was like a tear. And I was like, I was like, Oh, what happened? How? How was he doing it? He's so good, and uh, the record is untarnished. It is, yeah. <laughs> honestly, it's stupid. Right. It may, it doesn't. No one deserves it. It's so good. But he, uh, he, he's on the blackboard, and and I have a special affinity for Memento. But he like lays out and, this and chalkboards. And I do love a good chalkboard. Yeah, it's true. You're right. Maybe that's why I like it so much. I, it's like that. It's like that. Uh, that episode of Extras with uh, with Liam Neeson, where he talks about oh lists yeah, lists. And how he just loves lists. Yeah, and he's Steven like, Spielberg hired that, me because I make lists. Because I make lists. All the time. That's how I got. That's how I got the role of Oscar Schindler in Schindler's List. I'm always making lists. Steven was like, I, I really, yeah. Have you ever seen this, Alex? I, it's I, brilliant. Was, oh. was that wasn't that life's too short? No, it is life's too short. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, it is. Yeah. Oh, you're yeah. right. You're right. You're right. Right. I'm sorry. It's not yeah. extras. It's life. I've too seen short. that like clip. You've of seen that clip. Oh yeah. god, it's so funny. It's really man. good. It's so. That's the kind of shit Liam Neeson needs to be doing. Not this. <laughs> not this taken, uh, unstoppable crap or whatever. Whatever <laughs> his train movie was called. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. But anyway, uh, if if Ennis and Dylan, uh, it feels like they sat down and wrote out the entirety of Preacher on like a blackboard before they even started writing it it's that well done in terms of how the story uh makes you kind of swing back and forth yeah. and, and around on how you feel about certain characters and certain arcs and who yep. has your sympathies especially and who cassidy. Doesn't. especially cassidy especially cassidy. he is the most like yeah. zigzaggy character and you never know how to feel about him and in the show that's part of the reason why i'm a little like not quite as into him in the show because the show you're 100 percent in his corner pretty much the, like that's not true, though. You're reminding me now that there's a long span of season two where I'm like, wow, Cassidy's a bit of a shithead, isn't he? And he was kind of being rude to Jesse in the beginning of season three, right? Where he was like, oh, yeah, you, yeah, you, well, you, you don't care about Tulip. Coming out of season yeah. two because you spend so much of like 
You're, I think I spent so much on the edge of my seat with Cassidy in season two kind of being like, there's a shoe that's going to drop here, and and it doesn't necessarily, but I feel like that could maybe be a little down the road or something. Like, it, I did do that with Cassidy. Okay. Like, I have, I have that's been good. on the undulating pendulum with Cassidy. See, I feel point. like I haven't because in the book... <coughs> sorry. In the show, the things he does to make you be like, oh, I don't know about Cassidy... They're, they pale in comparison to the stuff yeah. he does in the book. Yeah. In the book, it's way more severe, where you're like, whoa, and then he'll do something really awesome and redemptive, and you're like, oh, that, he is a really good guy. But you you really, like, you never know how to feel about him in the book, and, and it's so fun to, like, read, read along with Cassidy. I think the biggest thing about Cass in the... No, nah, that's really not the biggest thing. But I was just thinking about this, though. Some of the stuff that happens to him in Masada, it reminded me that you never see him without his sunglasses in, <laughs> in the book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's funny because it's it's uh, when he's not wearing them, right? And yeah. in, in the show, he has not. He's never worn those particular sunglasses. Like his signature shades, maybe once, right? At the, yeah, maybe at, at when, the end when of he let go one, of uh, Bojang, where they're slightly like there's what's, what's, the, what's the dog's name? Oh, uh, oh, what is that dog's name? It's like Bo- it's not Bojangles, but it's something similar. Is it Mister Something? I don't know. This is ridiculous that <laughs> everyone's looking at. Him. He's got a funny name. I don't look up anything on this show because I know Alex will do it before the thoughts even out of my mouth. He's already googling something. Oh, I've got it here sorry. somewhere. Sorry, sorry to divert. <laughs> no, we need to know. Banjo, right? Banjo, banjo. banjo. Yes. Yeah, 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 yes, yeah. yeah. But he put the. I think he he let the dog go and then he put this. Yeah, yeah. He has these like shades. And then it's in the, the promos. I think. Yeah, the kind posters. of. But you still see. And usually his eyes are visible over. Yeah. He's like yeah. looking over. So his yeah, shades. in the comic. Yeah, in the he, comic, he ne- he's yeah. never without. And his it's sunglasses. horrifying to people when he does take them off. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's uh, yeah. It, but it, spoilers for the end for for part of Cassidy and Preacher. But he uh, mm-hmm. yeah, he has the shades on literally the entire book, and it's amazing. Mm-hmm. But in the in the show, it, it is it obviously like someone's eyes are like kind of it's one of the key ways you can connect and empathize with somebody is what they're doing with their eyes and i would never want to rob joe gilgan of that because what he does is so effective his eyeball and eyebrow acting alone is ridiculous (laughs) and honestly this guy deserves an emmy but he'll never see it he'll never even see a nomination because whoever the uh, the emmy academy would never show is too genre to be it is it's too genre and it's it's too polarizing i think and it's not the kind of polarizing that academy looks favorably on yeah and uh or i i don't mean polarizing i mean controversial like there's yeah. there's there's certain topics of controversy that like really they're like ooh, <laughs> and, and and but this is not it no. and it is too genre you're right but like joe gilgan deserves all the all, as much praise as, as as the world would has available for sure everyone on the show is fantastic like we've talked repeatedly about how how good Ruznega is and how good Dominic Cooper is and especially in certain moments you'll like you'll be particularly like emotionally invested in what they're doing or like you'll be uh, like Dominic Cooper's finest moments are the ones that make me laugh these little subtle things he does I will always go back to season one that look on his face when when uh, I almost said Ruznega but when Tulip says something outside the gas station yep. and he has this expression of like <laughs> And now I feel like part of that is inspired by their real life relationship. He, he maybe was channeling how. Do you remember this when we were talking about this in season one? I don't remember which which episode it is. I almost said issue. Which episode it is? But she's outside the car at like a gas station. She's not even in the shot. I it's don't think. the one where he's about to like beat. He he goes into the toilet to use Genesis on. Oh, uh, Donnie. Yep. yep. I think right. 
but she says something. He's sitting in the car and she's outside of it and she's like yelling at him for something. And he just has this expression on his face of just like of irritation. And it, there aren't words that could sum it up. It's, it's definitely like it, it, it tells you so much about their relationship without even needing to say it. And it's hilarious, though. It's so funny. And I remember Alex and I both were. This is back when we record the show. We would watch the episodes together once in a while. And we both were like dying laughing because mm-hmm. it was so good. But anyway, Joe Gilgan is the master of that. He can do so much with his face in so little time. Mm-hmm. And I, I really hope he, beyond Preacher, he can continue to find a lot of success in in uh, in, in Hollywood. Because yeah. the guy is ridiculously talented. I think the only thing I've seen him in prior is uh, uh, Lockout. Lockout. And cool movie, right? It was, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah that's yeah. how Alex and I saw it together, and it, yeah. was, a, it was a blast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we were the only two people at Star Trek. I, I think yeah. we were, yeah. Very yeah. little scene, but, I mean, Guy Pierce. I'm there. Yeah. I'm always there. Yeah. yeah. Give, me, give me more Guy. Yeah. He is he is one of my favorites, mm-hmm. and he is always interesting and always mm-hmm. compelling. Here you yeah. go, Memento. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, Lockout was fun. I think it didn't didn't Luke uh, Besson get hit with a lawsuit from uh, John, Car- John Carpenter, Carpenter because yeah. he was like, "This is Escape from New York yeah. in space with Guy Pierce," and I was like, "Yeah, that's why I went to see it." <laughs> <laughs> I see why John wants his cut because uh, that that was kind of one thing that kind of sold me on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Guy, Pe- man, what a chameleon he is! Like, I was like, Guy Pierce is like a leading man action hero, gruff mercenary type i was like i don't know and then i saw the movie and i was like hell yeah let's do more of that like mm-hmm. honestly if that became a franchise mm-hmm. if that became like a john wick but like silly and in space i'd be so into it sure <laughs> so uh just to speak on on this kind of the legal action here section of the lockout wikipedia article oh good the court awarded uh john carpenter damages of twenty thousand euros Awesome. The screenwriter nick castle got ten thousand euros perfect and fifty thousand euros were given to metro goldwyn mayer Perfect. However, Not after even. after Bassan's appeal was rejected in July 2016, the claimant's total damages were inc- increased to 450,000 euros. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, man, they got out for less than 100,000 the first time. That's whole, that's a hilariously perfect amount. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then it got bumped up to half a million euro. That's awesome. Yeah. Wow. Anyway, that's great because it's, I, I actually really like that because that's not like millions of dollars. I gr- I'm yeah. glad it's like it's an amount that like seems like like, here you go, John, like here's something. <laughs> yeah. It's appropriate to that movie. Yeah. <laughs> if we were talking something like Star Wars Episode Seven or something. It's not true. like Lockout went on to be a exactly. gigantic box yeah. office hit. Exactly. It's kind of funny. That might be half the production budget of the movie. You might be right. Yeah. <laughs> and honestly, the movie was all the better for it. Anyway. The Midwest Lockout Nerds podcast. Yeah. <laughs> any, any final thoughts on Season 3 of Preacher? Any, any other unfinished, uh, any things that you didn't get to say or that you'd like to say before we close the record? For another season uh, I think on the whole I really enjoyed it it might be my favorite season I do I think the highs were the highest for me in terms of the series and some of the lows they were not the lowest yeah but they were low enough that uh, I was a little I was a little bummed out at, at, at missed potential and I think for me the the biggest standouts are the all-father and Jody yeah the All-Father being mostly the fact that he's not carrying over to the next season. Yeah. Like, I think I was kind of fine with it un- up until episode 10. And then once I realized that they were going to, where they were going to go with Masada, his absence will be felt by all comic book readers, I think. Yeah. Unless they have a clone, unless they have a backup All-Father. 
I was gonna say, what if there's an even bigger alpha? <laughs> if the one no. in season three was like a clone that he said, if if it was an LMD that he sent yeah. out to, uh, yeah, yeah, that would kind of be dumb. But the I'm, traveling all father, I might all tra- the other all fathers <laughs> tra- 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 travel size. <laughs> That's why he could walk. He is the yeah. portable all father. <laughs> <laughs> now that you're saying that, I kind of like it. I don't know. <laughs> the thing is, if they do him, if they do him more justice in season four with a clone, I'll probably accept it and be like, and, and really end up really liking it because that would be comic booky. They'd be like, oh, the only reason we know how to clone Humperdoo is because we cloned the Allfather once, and that was it. Uh, I don't know, but anyway, Jody, yeah, Jody was really good. I think the casting was so fantastic that I'm bummed out that they couldn't make him a little bit more like the comic book character. But I mm-hmm. think. My dissatisfaction with Jody is both in terms of how he was presented, but in terms of his relationship with Jesse and also what he means in the overall picture of John Custer, yeah. which is what John Custer means in the overall theme of Jesse, which is what me, the overall what Preacher is about. Yeah. Ultimately, like what the entire story of what Preacher is about is kind of like this this uh matroshka where like it, it, you've got preacher but then you've got jesse but then you've got john and then you've got everything therein that helped influence john which also sort of plays into what influenced jesse like there's a very generational multi-generational story there that's kind of peppered throughout the book and so i think that i would like to see more john custer and and that's part of the reason that I'm a little down on some of Jody's stuff, like the 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 lighter and everything. Yeah. Like that's all really important stuff, and we'll probably get there. And I'll probably look back on season three and be like, oh wow, now it's better because they fixed where that stuff is going. But like I said, the John Custer that was presented to us in season one, no, not your John Custer. No, not, not at my all. John Custer. Not not the. Uh, <laughs> Not at all what the book portrayal uh, puts forth and not what the character of Jesse deserves. Because yeah. like that guy, I'm like, I don't see I don't see him as being up on the same pedestal no. that Jesse in the books puts his dad. And obviously everyone does that with your parents when you're young. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then Jesse had the, the misfortune of not being able to... Learn that your parents are people. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So mm-hmm. his dad is, is like this icon to him. And in the book, that really comes across. It's like yeah. he's up there with John Wayne. He is a larger-than-life yeah. movie star character. And that bleeds through a lot into his... That doesn't bleed through is not even right. Like that is a that is a cornerstone into why Jesse is the way he is. Mm-hmm. And uh, in the in the show, that hasn't really come across quite as much. And I'm hoping that we get more of that. Yeah. But as far as what its implications in season three, it only kind of slightly diminishes... Uh, Jody and sort of TC and grandma to an extent too because Jesse's mom is introduced in the beginning of the season yeah. Yeah. and then dropped like a yep. bad habit Missed opportunity. and it's a real bummer because yeah. also the relationship between her and John is really fantastic yep. and that's even less of what's in the book that's like maybe an issue maybe two yeah and you, then you find out how they meet. And yeah, stuff. you find out how they meet yeah. and all that and, and how deep their love was and how yeah. meaningful their connection is yeah. and how important their family unit was to them, like the three of them. Mm-hmm. I mean, them two and uh, and Jesse. And it also makes Jody, Grandma, and TC scarier mm-hmm. when you see how that family interacts with the Custer family. Mm-hmm. And you see why also, because Grandma says some of this in the show where she's like, you have too much Custer in you. Yep. That has no meaning in the show. And in the yeah. book, that has immense meaning because you find out exactly how grandma feels about both John Custer and her daughter 
and Jesse. Yeah. And it's uh it's a big deal and it, it it those those relationships and those dynamics run really deep in the book and in the show they they ultimately weren't really put on display. And although I really liked the stuff we had in season 3, I would have gleefully given up all the Osaka shit and all that kind of other stuff in order to focus more on what makes our protagonist tick. Yeah. And so that kind of stuff is stuff that non-readers aren't going to care about necessarily, but I think book readers might kind of feel that missing a little bit. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Any final thoughts, Lance? No, I think uh, just piggybacking off of that, just, uh, yeah, John Custer was a very, in, um, in the books, was a very guy, very much the guy that did the right thing. Yeah. Even though uh, it was, uh, it, it never appeared to be the wrong thing, but you wouldn't, you wouldn't automatically say, oh, that's what you should have done. Cause like he does some, some, some things to people that they had it coming to them. Yeah. I think, I think that's where you, that's where you can, um, explain John Custer is like, it's like he does what he needs to do. Yeah. And then that, that, that carries over to Jesse. Yeah. Um, so getting to know more John Custer would be good in relation to Jesse. Yeah. Um, like like it's I don't know if it's 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 worth it to talk so much about it, but like what what Jesse does is kind of a John Custer thing to do at the end when he's about to leave because he sees that contract. It's like if you kill me, then you're gonna go to hell, and it's like I can't let you. I'm not leaving this house with you breathing. Yeah, that's what he says, and like that's a John Custer thing, you know, for sure. And it's and so I'm glad he he did that. I have a little bit of issue with how he did it because. Dominic Cooper kind of pulls it off like like a psychopath a little yeah. bit, and that's that's total like Dominic Cooper for you because like if you've seen Devil's Double mm-hmm. um, with, with with uh, Dominic Cooper, he knows how to play a psychopath like <laughs> really well. So like he channeled some of that in there, and I was like, no, 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 that's not Jesse though. Like, but but Jesse would not let her live, but the way he did it was kind of a little bit um, vicious, a little a yeah. little too full of pleasure. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Which is. Sort of in line with Jesse from the book, a little like bit. The the yeehaw kind yeah. of Jesse, like yeah, he would get a kick out of destroying his grandma. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Although he doesn't, he's not, he doesn't kill her in the book necessarily, not right. directly. Right, right, right. But he didn't have to. Batman Begins Again. Yes. He did yeah. not have to save her either. It's <laughs> yeah. true, and he definitely yeah. takes delight in uh, in her demise. Yeah, I will say the stuff that season three nailed. I should probably end on a positives and or even directly talk about the positives, even though this episode is probably two hours long at this point. Yeah, um, pretty much. Cool. So let's just make it 10 episodes, 10, issue, 10 <laughs> hours long. Uh, I liked a lot of the Angelville stuff. I thought it was really good. I think that getting the Jesse Tulip relationship back on track was really strong. Uh, I think a lot of the Cassidy Acaria stuff I really loved, even though that was a huge departure from the books. Uh, I thought that was great. I think that the end, I think the finale was probably my favorite episode for a lot of reasons. I don't know. There were some good ones early in the season, too. I'll have to go back and watch rewatch all of it at some point. I say that at the end of every season. <laughs> but <clears throat> uh the saint shooting Satan in the face is like that's up there. That's an amazing moment and that was really 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 well done. And it means so much more than it appears to in the show, I think, and I can't wait to kind of see some of the fallout from that. I honestly think my favorite thing about the season though coming away from it is the god stuff. Yeah. It was done so well and it was the right balance of like mystery and comedy and drama and even though they are just these tiny instances across a 10 hour season 
they were so impactful. Every single one mattered and every single one meant something. And it was, it was memorable and compelling and it moved the story forward and did, it was just good TV. Yeah. It was just great writing and, and directing and acting and, uh, that, and I'm going to kind of lump in there with that, uh, the tulip in limbo stuff. Yep. Some of my favorite stuff. I think at the end of the day, Tulip comes away as the MVP for me in this season. She was just just dynamic, and uh, Ruth Nega is so fantastic. I'm I'm so pleased when they when she was cast or when I first saw her, I was like, I don't know, I don't I don't know you. I'm sorry, yeah. like, I don't know who you are. I don't know your prior work. Uh, I don't know if you're going to be any good or not. But I can't imagine anyone else now. Yeah, and uh, and she's just she's tremendous. That uh, but all the all the god stuff. I'm so glad Mark Harlot came back. I'm glad <laughs> yes. that they just decided because I'm sure that they cast him as the fake god and they were like, yeah, whatever. And uh, but the fact they're like, who do we cast as god? And I'm sure they were sitting there baked. Like, why, why don't we just make it Mark Harlot again? <laughs> <laughs> like laughing. And uh, yeah, it works. It works. Yeah. it's fantastic. It's beautiful. So that that was some of my favorite stuff. I loved the kind of surreal nature of all of it too it often involved time stopping which obviously is kind of weird but the 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 instances with him showing up in the books always feel that way where they're like surreal sli- slightly uh yeah even the reality of a, of a of a still printed image on a page you can feel something is just different in the atmosphere and though and that's a, again a testament to uh to steve dylan but there's something about the way they're presented where you, you just you, it's almost like the hair on the back of your neck standing up. Like you just feel something is different is about to happen. And it's yeah. just so good. I just, I absolutely loved that stuff in the, in the season. Awesome. Yeah. I don't, I don't have a whole lot else to say. I, I've, I have enjoyed this season quite a bit. I feel re-energized about preacher, whereas season two was a little more draining about it. Oh, absolutely. And, and so I'm glad that gone to Texas continues to exist. I'm glad that we took the time to talk about it each week. And, um, I look forward to a season four. I hope it does happen. Fingers mm-hmm. are crossed right now. So uh, I want another season of this way more than another season of The Alienist. I'm glad that we're getting The Alienist. Don't get me wrong, but yeah. if I had to trade, yeah, absolutely in favor. Of yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I'm I glad you said that. that too. That Gone to Texas continues to exist because as I was rereading the issues, I just was I got to the letters page and I saw the Gone to Texas at the top, and I like a big smile came across my face, and I was like. That makes me feel good. That's good. That we uh, good. that we named the show after that that yeah. small, like that's uh, a good. I think it's a good reference to the books. And if 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 book listeners are listening to the show and never put two and two together on what that is, because I I don't often read the letters pages in comics, but it's one of my favorite things about comics, and they don't really exist anymore so much. Like they they kind of do in some areas, but that's to me that's. I think Brian K. Vaughn still does them. Yeah, in Saga. Yeah, because every time I read Saga, I see it at the end, and he's like, "I'm back after six months." Or it's so yeah. cool. Yeah, it's it's, it's one of in. it's one of the ways in which because comics, like I said earlier, it's a very solitary experience for the most part, and it's a way that connects you to people that you'll never meet or directly talk to. But reading other people's thoughts and knowing that they're they're readers as well and fans, it's so fun, and it's fun to watch the 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 letters get answered too they're not and they're not always done by the actual writer sometimes it's editors and stuff like that that yeah. will answer them in like marvel books but when actual writers and creators answer them and, and it's kind of that it's that prototypical twitter of like you know twitter kind of allows you to connect with yeah. your audience and and connect with the people of the things that you're For watching sure. or listening to or reading or whatever but 
that letters page is that kind of like behind the curtain mm-hmm. little bit of it's the better call Saul insider podcast or like any of that type of stuff. Yeah. So And it reminds you that you're reading somebody's work and yeah. it, it's fun to kind of be drawn into the world for 32 pages or one hour or whatever. But then also as you're exiting it to kind of have a few pages of letters to, to kind of, uh, catch up on the last few issues what people were thinking because obviously by the time you're reading them those issues have come out you've read them yeah. and now people have written in and you're reading their thoughts a few issues later but it's it's kind of a fun way to end cap it and kind of it's sort of your your digestif after reading an issue yeah and I, I think that naming our show after that i think was a really cool reminder of ultimately what the spirit of that is all about is, yeah. is reading great stories or, or watching great stories and then talking to people about it and ha- having uh discussion about it and what it meant absolutely oh i i'm i'm glad you said that yeah no i'm grateful that that we're here for this season and i'm excited to return for another should the show continue so for our season two recap let's get right (laughs) into this (laughs) right my name is nick and i have read all All right another time maybe yeah yeah maybe in the off season especially if they make us wait a little longer or something for it (laughs) we should i think it's pretty telling how we felt about this season by the fact that we made this episode happen yeah yeah Yeah. today was a not a challenging day to get together and do it but it would have been very easy to say we'll do it later and then ultimately not do it yeah it's it's always kind of hard because it's that first little bit of like getting out of the routine of like oh we're gonna schedule this this mm-hmm. week do it sit down get it done edit it all that stuff but I, i'm glad that we could make good on, on the promise this <laughs> season unlike last season which was just kind of a you know yeah it yeah. didn't come together in time and then it was like well do i even remember season two now yeah yeah it's a fever all dream. That kind of, yeah exactly so please uh please join us on the platforms in which we can talk to people like Twitter and Discord and all that stuff. Yeah, we're all. I want to keep talking. We're out there. Please come, come talk to us in the in the off season. And and you know, like Nick said, we have things that are brewing or that we're thinking about or new stuff that might pop up. So please make sure that you're following the Midwest Podcast Network on Twitter or on Facebook at Midwest or at MidPodNet M A D P O D N E T or the uh, Midwest Podcast Network on Facebook and find announcements about new things that we're uh, trying to do. But, yeah, I think that's about it for this season of Gone to Texas. Thank you to everybody that has listened and contributed to Patreon and uh, and all the fantastic people that have written in and shared your thoughts with us. It's always beautiful to know that there are people out there listening. Mm-hmm. It's always uh, it, it's hard to think that as I'm sitting here recording this that there's going to be somebody that is excited to see this pop up on their phone like like I get excited when I see a new podcast episode. So thank you very much. Uh, but I feel, yeah. like, I feel like enough shows don't say that. Like, it's probably not cool to talk about the fact that you're excited that people are going to listen to you. But I know that other f- more famous podcast hosts are thinking the same thing. Like, ultimately, the reason you're doing this is to communicate with other people and, yeah. and create something for other people to also enjoy. And it's it's really fun when people can act, kind of get back to you and say it's a little bit of that. Like, I know that there's a reason that somebody out there is going to listen to the people that made Better Call Saul. Mm-hmm. but the fact that there are people that are listening to my thoughts about preacher when I've never even read the comic and Nick's thoughts about preacher when he's a very big fan of it, even though neither of us write for a website or like do any of that crazy stuff. It's awesome that there are several hundred of you that listen every week. So thank you very much. 
and that you're enjoying the show yeah. as much as well. Ultimately, that's really cool to know that there are a lot of other people that are digging on If you guys didn't find worth in this, then I definitely would not find any worth in, in, in like putting in the effort. Because Nick and I could sit here and talk about this whenever the hell we want to. By ourselves. Yeah. And we did for many years. That's true. But, you know, and recording Lance, it. Yeah. For many more years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was just talking to somebody yesterday. I was like, you know, Lance is the ultimate person to talk to about movies. I'm like, because he sees everything. Mm-hmm. And he drags some meaning out of everything. Like you even said, you won't rate something less than three stars. No, yeah, no. I mean, Lance will find worth and meaning in just about everything. Like if you had to think of like the, the, the two, like or the worst movie you've ever seen in theaters, could you even say it right away? Um, that's a tough one. Uh, <laughs> you know what? I can. The, the sequel to Van Wilder. <laughs> <laughs> that one was a turd. <laughs> that got less than three on Letterboxd. Yeah, yeah, that one is down. It's probably uh, a two. Though. It's a big still one. a two. It's still a two. It's not a one. <laughs> yeah, I want to know what a one is. Yeah, on what would be a scale. one? Yeah, oh, that's a tough one. That's a Haven't seen one. it yet. No, nope. that's the thing. Like when I see the IMDb ratings, and I see ones and I see tens. I'm like, you're both wrong. Mm-hmm. There yeah. are no tens. There are no ones. Yeah. in my yeah. opinion. But yeah. anyway, yeah, this is why Lance needs to have his own just. <laughs> constantly running 24-hour show talking <laughs> yes. about movies because sure. he has some of the most valuable insight. Mm-hmm. You you came on Film Nerds once or twice, right? Once or, yeah, yeah, a couple yeah. times. He's uh, he's heavily featured on a bonus episode <laughs> where he and Tim and I talk about Fifty Shades of Grey. Uh, that's right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. We still we haven't caught up with the rest of the series, no, the, unfortunately. The, the, yeah. the remaining two. Yeah. Glad the third one wasn't split up into two parts. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> I think there was a prediction that we talked about on the show. That yeah. must be an amazing episode. I uh, obviously have not listened to you it. You should probably just go listen to it without seeing the movie. Cause I kind of want to see well, From what I understand, the first movie, I think, is the one that they actually tried to make a serious movie. And then the rest of them go flying off the deep end where Sounds they're about right. where they're like yeah. screw it oh yeah the first one um the first one's legit as a it's an adaptation yeah <clears throat> um you know i mean had great cinematography the first yeah. one yeah. and the second one i think and the third one they probably just it's uh, like from what i've understood put they the soap opera stuff in there they tried to make it like as batshit crazy as they could mm-hmm. and i forgot why there was somebody that was some other podcast i listened to was talking about this and it was really funny they were like talking about the 50 shades movies and how they've seen them all. I think it was, it was, it was, I don't know if it was comedy bang bang. It was something like that. Yeah. These people were talking about how they'd seen them. All. No, I think it was the Canon actually. I think it was Amy Nicholson hmm. and, and some other co-hosts were talking about how fascinating the 50 shades. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it was because one of the guests that was on, he was like, Oh my God, I love them. And she was like, mm-hmm. yeah, me too. And he was like the, the, the sequels, he's like, they're amazing pieces of like <laughs> insane genre filmmaking. We're mm-hmm. like, it's the kind of thing where Tim, Tim finds a lot of worth in like really crap movies like and I don't mean that as like a disparaging remark on him but like he'll watch like really over the top junky things and like think it's a great experience it might not be a great movie but he yeah. had an awesome time watching it and that's the way they act about these 50 shades movies they're like oh they're a riot and so that that makes me intrigued to kind of watch the whole se- if there's a riff tracks for all of them I'd watch them oh sure. yeah like yeah. We, like we did with Twilight. oh I would I would watch riff tracks for those movies for yeah. sure Anyway, anyway, was, yeah. you guys know where to find more of our podcast. If you want more of that, <laughs> yeah, go check out the Midwest Film News. There's a big back catalog there. Check out MidwestPodcastNetwork.com to hear about all of our other shows and make sure you consider stopping by our Patreon and giving us just a dollar a month because uh, a dollar more a month is more than we'd currently be, be making. Uh, so please, uh, that would be fantastic. But 
That's all for this season of Gone to Texas. We can't wait to see what next season of Preacher brings. But until then, go forth and speak the good word.